Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 221. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And Connor's here too. Yes, I am. Drinking <laughs> booze. As yeah, he it's, it's an old does. fashioned. I, I decided to uh, to try the, the Gerrards thing. There you where go. I did the uh, lemon peel instead of orange to see. I usually use orange, but I'll see mm -hmm. how it goes. Uh, and also, I'm much more likely to juice the lemons and use them in a different cocktail than I am the oranges, so less waste. That was fascinating. Uh, here's a comic book podcast, DC Comics specifically, and coming up on this week's show. We have Batman 3 Jokers Issue 2, Dark Knight's Death Metal Multiverse's End Issue 1, Batman the Joker Warzone Issue 1, Wonder Woman 763, Legion of Superheroes Issue 9, Justice League Annual Number 2, Batman Superman Annual Number 1, and then a batch of Patreon books between me, me and Connor to round out the month. So that is the, uh, the gist. Real, real quick, Pete, did you read Legion? I, I did not, no. Okay, it's all all on me then. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I still read it because there there was buzz going around uh, on on Tuesday, which I was able to steer clear of till Wednesday. Um, so yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with you being the sole Legion reader on the show. It is when it's a Bendis book, and uh, there, there's a there's a lot that's very dense. For one page layout, it's very dense. <laughs> yeah, but what does me having reading that have to do with? the time you spend on it off. You, know. <laughs> you just have to fly it alone and yeah yeah learn to so I get for, not fall or something for, for defining myself as the legion guy that's me yeah yeah imagine so. if you drop after all those years of long live the legion imagine if you drop legion of superheroes yeah i know kind of likely to happen no it's not likely to happen um I don't know. controversy that's all uh yeah, so, you know, um, we're, we're actually just tipping into October, of course, by the time we record this show, although it's officially the last episode of September in our minds, as it always is when it comes to the release weeks. Um, so, week five, just earlier than normal. Uh, it's been a busy, weird week of a bunch of things. Not actually comic book related, admittedly. I'm still shaken with uh, that heel Billy Mitchell uh, showing up yeah. on AEW Dynamite. How dare, okay. how dare they put Billy Mitchell in front of me? It's the worst man with the best man. <laughs> Carl, you know who Billy Mitchell is. I'm not alienating I you I do, much. yeah. And I was like, why are you starting talking about Billy Mitchell? And then, so, and then you started talking about wrestling. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah he just, know, he showed up playing an arcade game against Miro, or with Miro. So now it's led speculation that this whole build-up with him isn't just a get-back-at-WWE for their Twitch BS. You know, poke fun at them, but it's also to announce the AEW game. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, that, that all that Twitch thing. I mean, Vince McMahon's just this evil bastard who is insisting his his employees, who are not employees, they're independent contractors, can't use Twitch without him give, giving him a cut of their earnings. They're only independent contractors when healthcare is involved. Yes. Anything so, else, they're employees, and it's uh, just it makes it hard. So I am kind of grateful I don't watch that product anymore as much. That said, yeah. I'm missing the G1 for the first time in like four years, just because. It's at a time where I don't have time to watch it. Um, so it's all AEW right now. Yeah, for anyone who's confused as to who Billy Mitchell is, because uh, I wasn't trying to bring up this to talk about wrestling, although Matt is determined to shift it into as much wrestling as he possibly can. <laughs> I just want to bring up that I don't watch the G1, and it's, it's sad. 
Yeah. Billy Mitchell is the villain from a documentary called The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, which came out, I think, in 2007-ish. And it's an interesting little watch. Uh, so, all I'm saying is if Steve Weeb does not show up and powerbomb Billy Mitchell through a table, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if he does do it, it's just on a tape that, you know, is a bit dodgy. <laughs> Yeah, Twin Galaxies can't confirm or deny if uh, the table broke. Yes. I remember watching that and being so mad at him. I know. I know. He's the biggest uh, heel on the planet. And He's I don't a- even and I don't even care about arcade gaming that much. I just I believe in, in justice and fairness. <laughs> and it's just it wasn't. It made me so mad. Yeah, so yeah, Billy Mitchell showed up this week randomly. That that, that was the, the what the F moment of the of the week, uh I felt. Unless Carter's got one that he wants to share. Uh, no, I mean, it's definitely not wrestling related. The, the only wrestling related <laughs> thing I even saw this week was an old clip from, I don't know, some wrestling show years ago with like, you know, look at these random trio of guests that were in the in the crowd. It was like Chris Tarrant and oh, that's a weird. couple others. And I was like, this this is a weird combination but of I people. I said WTF, but I, I didn't mean specifically wrestling related. I just meant in general, but... <laughs> I mean, he found, all, yeah. he found something wrestling, really. I didn't mean that to happen, but he I did. Just, I'll be honest, I wasn't listening to everything else you were saying, and then you were like, oh, it's Connor Gardner. I was like, um, <laughs> um, no. Uh, I did not expect my, uh, a wrestling story from Connor, but there you I, go. I, yeah. For whatever reason, that popped up on my Twitter like four times this week, this video of the, the three of them in the crowd like together, and I'm like, I, I don't know why all of a sudden. Yeah. All right, well, weird. Uh, so, you know. Here we are, Atomic Comics. Uh, there is some there, news. There's not a lot of news. Is there a lot of news? Well, there's not a lot, but there's some news. There's a handful okay. of stories. Yeah. Uh, just, wish, just wishful thinking on Matt's part, apparently, but no, there's, there's he, some... he, he just never thought to actually check no. beforehand. No. It was like, there can't be any news, because we didn't mention news. No, there's, there's some tidbits of news uh, to talk about. Uh, so some small announcements and delays and things like that. Uh, first up, Wonder Woman Earth 3, or sorry, Wonder Woman Earth 1 Volume 3, Volume 3. Uh, is what I meant to say there, uh, has a release date now, it's coming out in March uh, 2021, March 9th to be specific. There you go, that's your story. <laughs> yeah, it's still Paquette on our, alongside Morrison, so that'll be... Uh, last last thing now? Uh, for now. It's well, always been, this has always been a trilogy anyway, I think, that you know, so this is the conclusion hmm. to that. Well, speaking of Grant Morrison, because there's another story about him in DC this week, uh, and that, this is this one's funny to me because I'd forgotten this was even a thing, but apparently the Arkham Asylum sequel, Grant Morrison has officially shelved it, and it's been so long since they announced that he was writing a sequel to Arkham Asylum that I was like, oh yeah, that existed. Okay, so... Like what, 2017? It's basically a non-announcement because it, it was gone so long out of our mindscapes that we'd all forgotten it existed, so this is basically just... Hey, you expected this never to show up? Now I'm telling you, it's probably never showing up. <laughs> I feel like this was announced at the same time where they announced that whole slate of Earth One books again. I think it was that same panel, you know, where we learned about the Green Lantern one for the right. first time and a couple of others. Um, it was just and, and all these books that we were like, yeah, we'll believe it when we see it. So we were all skeptical about all of it anyway, because and this one in particular, because it wasn't uh, Dave McKean on art, and it was Chris Burnham. Um. Which obviously makes sense in the context of Morrison's Batman run, uh, but it makes less sense in the context of Arkham Asylum. Yeah, uh, so yeah. don't expect to see that airtime soon, if ever. Quite frankly, so 
That was to Morrison. He, he did say, this. though, he has written some of it, and it's only because he got busy with TV that he's shelved it, and he does like what he's written, so it may come back to it at some point. So maybe one day. Yeah. Okay. I hold my breath. I'll, I'll forget it exists again. and then Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Maybe I'll surprise us one day. Uh, the final issue of uh, Amethyst has been pushed back uh, now a total of nine weeks. For for <laughs> getting the Shazam treatment. Uh, no, this is more the Doom Patrol uh, treatment, the Jared Way one. No, yeah. that's what it feels like to yeah. me. Yeah, um, and and this is a bit different to Shazam because it's not going to be like six artists because it's all just one writer artist on the whole book. Right. Uh, Amy Reader, I believe, uh, has mm-hmm. been doing the whole thing. Um, uh, I think this one it feels a little worse because it got. It you know it missed a good few months earlier in the year with everything else, so there was an expectation maybe that it would be on track for everything else because I think it was it only had like one or two issues before those delays started happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it, a shame. It was meant to be out on a great trade. It was meant to be out on September twenty second. It's now coming November twenty fourth. So uh, yeah, hopefully it has that date now at least, and people who are enjoying it can get their final issue. And then the last thing I've got here is that there's going to be an audio drama coming to Spotify. DC and Spotify are teaming up. And David S. Goyer is going to be the one to write said audio drama. Yeah, it's worth knowing this is the first of many audio dramas because we got this deal announced sometime last year or maybe earlier this year that you know the, the, that uh, they had this partnership with Spotify now and they were going to be doing a whole slate of things uh, over the next couple of years. So... I doubt Goya will be involved in all of them. Oh, no, probably All I know is it's hard to have a bunch of destruction just in audio, so that's a bright sign. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the Foley guy will get a workout. Maybe. Yeah, I, mean... I, see, I always feel like Goya always gets a, like, almost gets a pass because he still is responsible for Man, Man of Steel, but he also worked with Nolan. He's, he's got like a, a very mixed career overall. That yeah. He's got some great stuff in his, you know, in his catalogue, <laughs> but then some real shite, too. <laughs> and then Blade Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> Which, the best thing to come out of that are Pat Oswalt's stories of, of on set uh, and whatnot, and basically Ryan Reynolds being an all-star, getting that, uh, getting to work, you know, have to work around snipes. So, um, but yeah, I'll go here. Again, he also did JSA with John, so yeah, it's, it's I'm weird. still tentatively excited for this. I loved the um, the Sandman, Sandman one that we got on Audible. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, you should. It's like the it's basically a very direct adaptation of the first twenty or so issues. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm I'm hoping these can that Marvel have kind of got a bit of a head start in this area. They've had a few mm-hmm. with Stitcher, and they've got another one with someone else now that. I haven't listened to yet. They had a couple of Wolverine ones by Ben Percy. They've uh-huh. had some Black Widow ones lately, which I haven't checked out because those are exclusive somewhere else. The, the Wolverine ones were like exclusive for like three months and then mm-hmm. went free, but the other ones haven't yet, I don't think. But I'm looking forward to them. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that's all I had, unless there was any other news that I've missed that Connor's going to spring on us. Uh, no, that was pretty much it. Honestly, I, I had assumed you weren't going to mention the... Uh, <laughs> the, the uh, audio dramas, because usually you just I don't bother s- with those. I saw it when I was browsing. Uh, I thought, and, and you knew I was going to bring it up anyway, so you thought you might as well. I thought, I'll, I'll throw it in. I'll be nice. Yeah. And, and, and toss it in the mix. Um, yeah, that's, that's 
basically it. Uh, yeah, no, busy. But again, we had so, so much news in the first couple of weeks of the month that it's not surprising that uh, the last couple have been very quiet news-wise. Uh, and I suspect that to be the same until about solicits time in a couple of weeks. So Yeah. Um, there is some stuff about the, the, the future, what's it called? Future Shock? Um, that's happening in January, February. Future State? Uh, future State. Yeah, future State, go. there we go. Um, and uh, it's not a reboot, but it is a, you know, refresh. Uh, and it's also, this seems to be the reason why stuff's ending in, you know, which we talked about. But now there's an actual branding to it. So that's interesting. I'm sure we'll get, we'll, we're guaranteed more info in the next mm-hmm. solicits because obviously yeah. they're, they're due to start coming out in February, right? Yeah, I'm just shocked right. they didn't use a fandom part two to announce mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff, but whatever. If they don't want to do it, then so on then. Yeah. I, I, I really do think it was just a case of it was too late and they didn't want to announce it that far out for whatever reason. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but hey, that means solicits should be juicy <laughs> Again. in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I complain. I like any juicy solicits, so... And you can put you can put that you can quote me on that put that in a quotation somewhere. I like it, just his solicits. Do it, DC. Do it on <laughs> DC Connection. <laughs> well, you're promoting the next solicits. Let me make it an event and put in some quotes from various YouTubers and reviewers and mm-hmm. podcasters and put. I like it, juicy solicits. Peter, call us from my verse. Dot dot dot. I like a juicy dot dot dot. Solicit. solicit. <laughs> I feel like it might, if you say solicitation, it might even work better. It may sound dodgier. Uh, yeah, but in this context, that's what you want. So I guess without further ado, we will dive into the the you know relatively meaty books for a fifth week. Uh, at least meaty in the sense mm-hmm. that they're all all a bit bigger. They're all a bit, uh, but you know, well, dare I say, juicier. So. Uh, Let's dive in to Batman Three Jokers issue two. Jeff Johns writing, Jason Fabic on the art. And this, of course, is the the mystery. We have one Joker who's dead already. Jason mm-hmm. shot him last issue, and this issue is Babs trying to talk to Batman about that happening. How he solved the issue, talk to find Jason, stop him from killing any more, find the other two Jokers, and so on. Uh, and it goes places for sure. So, um, how do we feel about this? It definitely feels like the middle chapter of a miniseries, like uh, issues three and four. You know, there's a bit of a lull before it builds back up. Mm-hmm. So, and that's yeah. by design, so you can't be too mad. I will say that for as much as I love John's and I can be described as John's fanboy, um, Fabic is really the one that's pulling Doing the weight. The heavy lifting. In this yeah. one, because this, there wasn't a lot of reading in this one. There was a lot of action stuff, and mm-hmm. it's fabric taking care of that and I, I dare say it's carrie frank-esque in some parts oh as we said that um, in issue yeah, one. We said on the uh, yeah but like to do that over six issues i was i was skeptical but to now see it i say six i'm talking page count you know there's only three right yeah um but yeah to do that over this many pages and to keep it it makes sense why this took so long i guess um but yeah, Fabric really shines here. Um, I'll agree with that. And the story, like, again, I don't want to say I'm frustrated because this is the middle section, right? Like, but there's not a lot that happens here that moves the story forward. Like, there's a couple things, and there's some stuff I like, but there's other stuff that I wish we've gotten enough 
of of this. I like uh, I like the so. opening. Uh, this whole mm. scenario where Joker uh, two comes comes to this house. He's got a wife and a kid, and the wife's scared of him. The kid's scared of him. And he's, you know, come and, you know, have dinner with daddy and all that stuff. And then, you know, then it sort of snaps into reality and the, you know, the criminal Joker, Joker number one, is like, what the hell are you doing? Who are you talking to? Um, mm-hmm. I kind of I like this exploration of the delusional mind of the Joker a little bit. The yeah, idea, this the, is the comedian Joker. Yeah, the idea that uh, he fantasizes about having a family that's scared of him is, like, delightfully twisted. Yeah, I mean, this is the killing joke Joker. That, yes. That, in that origin, you know, his wife, what does she miscarry the kid? Can't can't have a kid? I can't remember which one. Something um, along those lines. Along those lines. And yeah, and if if we're believing his telling of the story, this is what kind of leads him to becoming the Joker, you know, being the sad comedian. Um so I do like that they reference that in there that, you know, deep down he does want this family, but it's not it's still dark and twisted. It actually kind of reminded me of something from David Lynch, a little bit. Like that's just because he's feeding them octopus. Yeah, that could be maybe right. He likes the tentacles. Um, so but no, that that was good. Um, but but yeah, uh, I can't get a read on the criminal Joker. Like I don't know, because I'm so used to Joker being so bombastic, and he's so reserved. You know, like it's. Mm. Very it's subdued. a bit off. Yeah. Oh, he's your so. grandfather's Joker, I suppose. No, literally, like, yeah. this is yeah. what Joker was before... He um, says before Batman. Mm-hmm. He claims, guess, yeah, he claims to be. He, he claims, which, you know, take that as you will. Um, I'd have to say, right, I, was, I wasn't, like, super into the first issue. Um, I think I like this issue less. I think there's just a lot mm-hmm. of things I... Conceptually still that I dislike, but I think this issue, it feels incredibly decompressed to the point where this is what 50 60 pages something like that and yeah. i'm like uh, okay and there's a lot of sections that i like i like the conversation babs and bruce have where they're both like driving you know you, I, there's a panel that i thought was particularly great where she's like her reflections in the the window of the the batmobile oh, the art is phenomenal i don't think yeah. i really like bruce in this conversation where he's just like eh, no what are you gonna do i bruce is very yeah off. The dialogue like, from Bruce is a little bit in the weird side. I, I don't think that's uh, but, unfair. But to I say. never thought, John's, despite how much I like the Earth, the was it Earth One? Yeah, right. Earth, yeah, the Earth One stuff out of him. His voice for Bruce has never been there for me. It, you know. Well, it's notable uh, that Jeff Johns is Mister DC, and we think of him as being this big DC guy, and everyone always has for a long time. But the one big exception to that is that he's never really been a Batman guy, which is weird when yeah. you think of DC. Like, you know, like typically most big writers who have worked on DC now, they have a Batman run. They they, they care about mm-hmm. Batman. Uh, and you know, John's had Superman. He had Green Lantern. He had a Flash run. He had you know JSA. He had Teen Titans. He had so many different corners of the DC universe. But he never yeah. had the Batman run. Uh, yeah. So and he did cool stuff with Batman and like Green Lantern and in Infinite Crisis. But Batman's never been the the spotlight to Johns. He's always been a side character, and so that's almost how he's treated here, like a side character. But he doesn't even get anything cool to do. He's just kind of grumpy, and it's I, even as someone that's very critical of Batman, like I am. I don't know. It feels tone deaf. Yeah, I, I wouldn't Bruce mind like this. treating Batman like a side character. If if ultimately your your, your story here was actually about Babs and Jason, I could kind mm-hmm. of okay, I can go along with that. 
it's it's this com- like conversations like this where you know Bam's like you know you know he's using a gun he's killing people we have got to mm-hmm. stop him we have got to talk to him make him you know stop being Red Hood basically and and Batman's like yeah you know what I, I thought he was dead there's not a lot I can do about it I just I thought he'd turn yeah. out like you yeah you know he's very kind of nonchalant and then what? and then we do have the we'll get to it in a minute I'm sure but the the Joe Chill stuff which ties Batman himself more directly into the story um, mm-hmm. which. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about yeah, that. Yeah, Joe Chill's fingerprints show up on uh, a crime scene early in the issue, and it leads them to go to see Joe Chill, who it turns out is oh, actually Rocky. who's actually dying of cancer, and there's no way he could have been at a murder scene like earlier that night. He's in a hospital bed, barely breathing. Yeah, he's uh, basically in hospice at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, but so, I did like seeing Blackgate and you know seeing some of the hands sticking out. You know, you had Rupert Spaz Thorn. And, and, yeah. And Thorn, and I, and that that was real cool. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I feel like there's some characterization of Batman that's a bit off, but there's a lot of little details here that I do quite like. Where, well, you know, I I do like the idea of Batman dealing with Joe Chill passing away or getting sick and mm-hmm. like dying. Like, there's something interesting yeah. to explore there of how how does Batman react to him having a natural death? You know, when the time right. comes, uh, right. there's definitely well, avenues for drama that are being prodded at here that are interesting. Yeah, well, and again, it's it's not not uh, it's a retcon, which is usually John's specialty, but it is a inner like struggle with Bruce that he does really well, I think John's. So, but yeah, having Joe Chill show back up, I just that and the Waynes dying, I'm I'm just over it. <laughs> yeah, we we it's... get it. I'm I'm tired of Batman's origin. Like, just move on. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so so Red to. Through some, uh, you know, colorful interrogation, finds his way to where the Joker might be, and he pulls out a crowbar to like break off some change, and the, the chains and like the part of the padlock creates a smiley face on That's the ground. Honestly, one of my favorite panels in the issue. I think it's it's, I say it's very Gary Frank, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know, Fab- Fabric. I have, it, I don't think I have a bad word to say about Fabric in this issue. As much as I know, have problems with yeah. the, the the concept, some of the dialogue, the story, and characterization. The art, I, I don't think I say a thing bad about it. The, uh, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, we mentioned Gary Frank, but I mean, that moment with the smiley face feels legitimately like a Doomsday Clock panel. Like, it just, does, just, yeah. just in concept, it feels like a Doomsday Clock panel. Well, there's that, and in the story, they're playing, he's playing right into Joker's hands. Mm. So the, there's there's a smile there, and it's pushing the story forward in that way, and but then, yeah, it's as much representative as the smiley face of the worked in Doomsday Clock because of the, the button. Of course it right. works here because it's Joker. So you can yeah. kind of play it both ways. And Jason finds a pool of people and uh, basically Ace Chemicals toxin, which we knew they were transporting around last issue. Uh-huh. And it seems like Joker is ultimately wanting to make one more permanent fourth Joker, but at the very least he's also creating a bunch of like disposable Jokers uh, right now and here. And the idea that Jason could become... The, you know, the idea that he's Red Hood, so Red Hood becomes a Joker. That's, that's the rules. I... I kind of do like that though, but that also might be my Return of the Joker, you know, Batman Beyond showing. Oh sure. I always love that 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 beat. Well, that... I I don't think it's an accident that that, that you know I feel like yeah. uh, John's here. He knows that exists. He knows people like mm-hmm. that story. He knows people care about that story. So this implication here of this is what the Joker's trying to do. I think is playing upon yeah. our own it's... experiences with the and character. I think it's and... kind of interesting knowing that you know we were all roughly of an age when that was coming out, and we were younger and we were watching mm-hmm. as kids. And now we're, you know, we we are part of the largest audience for comics. We're in that age range, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
especially right now. I think it's interesting that we've got that coming up here. We've got Phantasm showing up in mm-hmm. Batcat later in the mm-hmm. year or next, early next year, whenever that is. I can't remember. I mean, uh, and Batman Beyond itself as a comic ran for, what, 52 issues, right? Yeah, so which like, is staggering. Wh- which we always... Some of the smaller books in DC We were right always now. wondering when the last <laughs> issue thing was coming in solicit, just because it was like... So clearly people were reading the book long enough that they could keep producing it. But yeah. I just... I. I really did like this, that he's like, you, out of all of them, you could be my Robin. And uh, I kind of uh, like that sentiment. This is the weird thing you know? about the story in this, is that while there's, there's elements that are off to like justify certain mm-hmm. things, the overall structure and or backbone of it, mm-hmm. I do quite like. I quite like the yeah. idea of what it's doing. And I like that it does focus so heavily on Barbara and Jason, because they are mm-hmm. the ones that have been the most affected in, in many ways by... Yeah, least... the trauma runs deep when it comes so, to Joker. I- I think I, I I like the idea of this, and I like you know, and the the idea of how those are the two that are most affected by it, and those are the two that reacted so differently. Essentially, they dealt with it in very different ways. Yeah, there. I don't, and I feel like this this touches on that, like yeah, like that conversation between you know Babs and Bruce about how oh I hope to be more like you, and you know you know they they kind of skirt on how they deal with it differently, but it's not it's not given enough time and dedication to that element. And that that's a little bit frustrating for me, given how many pages yeah. this is already. You know, I, I, cause yeah. I, I like the moment where, where Joker, and it's obviously not the, the Joker who did it originally, given the, the premise of this book, but the, mm-hmm. the killing joke Joker's bashing him with the crowbar cause they've stripped him down and they've put the red hood mask on. And I like that. He says, you know, you better make sure I stay dead this time. Uh, you know, yeah. this, this actually might be outside of Tom Taylor's uh, work, you know, uh, or Lord and Savior, you know, Amen, yeah. blah blah blah. Uh, Patron saint of Mild yes. Buzz, Tom Taylor. But like outside of that, that's maybe the most I've actually liked them tapping into like Jason's story. Is this there moment? There are parts, and I always say there are parts of Jason I like. I just I hate that since the New Fifty Two, I guess they've tried to make him this edgy antihero, and I'm like, Jason works in small doses like this, or even I think when Winnick brought him back in in Under the Hood. I think they're parts that work to him, but to try to make him this edgy Punisher esque, it just I don't know. It doesn't seem to fit in with with Batman and there's I, a you know the problem is he he wants to be a, or they want him to be a Punisher character and that's okay, but they're not mm-hmm. willing to commit to it and go far enough. No. They still want him to be the good guy at the same time. Well, yeah. I think and, I, I, and the I, I, is Punisher accepts that no, he's not the good guy. I think the problem right. is that they still wanted to have him to be able to be involved with the Bat family, and if he makes the yeah. choice to go full Punisher, he can't just casually hang out with Batman anymore because Batman right. will have to make the choice to take him in and put him down. Right. You know, it's just which I like that dynamic though of him going, "Hey, I I learned from you. You're not going to catch me and, easy." And and you that's know? kind of what this this book is kind of getting at is is Babs is like no. He's gone too far. We have to take him in, and Bruce is just not wanting to deal but, with but, that. But this is this is why it's not. It doesn't happen though, is because it, it's it's one story that has to have an ending. And comics being comics, they they, they can never commit to stuff lasting forever. So yeah, uh, we just we just don't get it. Another little out of uh, character beat for me uh, between between Babs and Bruce when she kicks the door into because they they sort of get to the same place, the swimming pool area, mm-hmm. and Batman says we could have entered quietly, and she says if Jason's here, he didn't. And Batman says, point taken. And I'm like, well, what do you mean point taken? If, if they're busy with noisy Jason, you can still sneak up behind them. Like, what, what, what difference does it make if he's already been loud? I almost feel like this is not Bruce. Someone dressed as Bruce. He's wearing <laughs> hockey pads. 
<laughs> that's, that's the real reason why he's got the uh, the yellow oval right now. Oh, maybe. yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. He I, does wear hockey. I pants. just it was one of those little things. It's just a small thing, but I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's, you can still be stealthy. That's what frustrates almost... me a lot about this. There's a lot of little moments like that that fall into that. You know, kind of just eh, okay, right? It's just and it, it's every you know five ten pages. Which you know, in in fifty sixty pages, is regular enough that it drags me out of the story repeatedly, just with something small, often, but just just enough that it irritates me. Uh, so yeah. they, they run into the the army of zombie jokers. It's kind of unfortunate. This kind of is happy at the same time as Joker War, which also has like zombie esque Joker type drones. But I, I prefer this one though because it's not some weird gas. Sure, you know, it's like, just this standard Jokerizing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's uh, part of it. So they go to find uh, Jason. Of course, once they've, they've got, won the fight, and there's actually a nice moment here where they actually find like a Joker. Uh, not not one of the main Jokers, but one of these like you know modified Jokers, and they actually think it might be Jason for a second, which I thought was an interesting idea. But they find Jason, you know, naked with a mask on, all bloody and beaten, and you know he's he's beside himself and he breaks down crying, and then we get to the scene which. It's naturally <laughs> probably going to get a lot of discussion here. Um, I will say I'm, I'm going to I'm going to complain to Matt here a little bit actually, because okay. Matt intentionally tried to tease this last week, and uh-huh. uh, you kind I kind of just got it from what you said, what what was going to happen. Um, I got uh-huh. the implication, so you spoiled this for me. And the problem with that is not that. It's not even just that the moment itself is spoiled because it's obviously not something I like, uh-huh. right? Obviously, I don't like this. The problem is, is that for the whole issue, I was just waiting for the bad thing to happen because I was expecting something bad. Uh, combined with a couple of tweets, which again didn't outright say what it was, but people try to get really coy. They try to like talk about what they're upset about without to, specifically saying it. To be it. fair, this particular rumor has been going around for about a year. <laughs> like we heard about this a long time ago. Like I mean, I, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. But it was Matt last week on the show when he was annoyed at me, might I add. Uh-huh. Uh, I was. During actually comics. Specifically. You bear, when you lose a foot, you can't be mad. <laughs> yes, but in an argument you were wrong on. <laughs> no, no. I was annoyed about, about you thinking Connor dying was great and hilarious and funny. That's what annoyed me. And the parasite thing was just icing. The bones of that was the Connor thing. So, and I'll apologize if it did spoil it for you because I don't want to. I don't want to be responsible for anybody not enjoying. Well, but Joe's funny thing was is because he said there's something I've heard about three jokers with Babs and Jason, and you sort of realized that you went too far and tried to yeah. add on Bruce as, as to throw uh-huh. me off. But you, it was, I was like, I'd already thought about. It. Like it's the second you said those two names, well, I immediately. I, I I had to censor myself, so I failed at censoring twice because I almost said it was uh, killing joke movie adjacent. And that definitely. <laughs> yeah, have, I think uh... just saying Babs and Jason. I do think Pete. I know you said you don't remember hearing these rumors. Mm-hmm. I think maybe subconsciously it was in there, and that's kind of why you jumped straight to that. Because just oh, there's things about Babs and Jason could have been anything. Anything still, really. Yeah, yeah. It, when it, when it's a book about those, it's not like you know However, they, they, they weren't. In I the, mean, the, last... the core of the complaint I'm trying to make here, and this isn't all just on Matt though. There was a couple of tweets that yeah. annoyed me in this as well, but is that it kind of gave me this weird thing with the book where even though there's lots of things to like, and there's things to dislike too that we've talked about, 
Um, the entire time, I couldn't even let myself really enjoy it because I was just waiting for the bad moment to happen. Yeah, I'm going to um, slightly defend Twitter in this particular instance, whoever these people were who tweeted. <laughs> because of course you are. No, 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 in the sense that they want to talk about it. I get that, you know, when, when, when there's something there, and they're trying their hardest to be respectful, right? They're talking around right. it, they're actively not putting spoilers in it. They're, they're trying. It's, it's, there's, there's, a, there's only so far this so is going to, you can do. This is going to sound really egotistical. <laughs> but I'm shocked. But I, you know what? I'm fairly smart, okay? So when I see people talking around things, I can usually put two and two together without trying too hard. Um, right, but are, are you honestly saying you've never tweeted around so anything? I don't know. I'm not going to claim so, that. So I legit thought for a hot second he was talking about me, and I was like, wait, I didn't tweet about three Jokers. No, you didn't. I'm going to tweet. not to. I, I tweeted about Batman Joker Warzone, um, and it was pretty amorphous to, to what I was talking about. So no, no, it was, I uh, myself. Like, I saw people tweeting. It was specifically tweeting about Bab specifically, and it's kind of something I don't necessarily disagree with, which I'm going to get to in a second. We're talking about the actual scene and what's going on. But here's, here's the thing. When, when I saw that that spoiler, because of course I clicked through, because you never know if it's actually and, and true. Also, you or, have no control. No, I do most of the time. I do when it comes to certain things. I I do like like Legion. I specifically like I heard something, but I was like, I'm gonna wait till I have the book in my hand. Yeah, because I tagged and, you in the fact that there was something right, that people were talking right. about. Which I I could play Pete and say, oh well, if you know Legion, you could put this together because it's the one main Legion story, right? But, you know, whatever. To be fair, but, in the tweet that I tagged you in, there was nothing that it was specifically oh, about Legion's history. No. But it was pretty big about Legion and Bendis and holy shit. And if anything, it's what I guess it was. Anyways, to, to this one, it was just a panel, and it was the panel that um, Pete's going to, you know, digress the, 20 the, minutes the on. The bottom right panel, I'm assuming. Yeah. And again, I was like, okay, well, if that's true, I don't know why people are losing their mind over it with no context, because for all we knew in the week before this book came out was this is a manic event, right? Like we know something was going to happen with Jason or Barbara. This whole story is about trauma. Who knows what this is? And I saw a lot of people trying to drag John's for it because they just, they don't like John's. And again, out of context, I don't think that's fair. I don't think you should try to look at what a writer's doing unless you have the full and now for, for Pete, when I know he's going to digress about it, I think that's fair having context now, right? Like, well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to start digging into. Basically, you know, Jason's passed out at Bab's place. She comes home at one point. He wakes up, he sees like all of her stuff that she was using, all the books. So she kept all of her calendars from when she was in physical therapy and... Uh, all yeah, so, yeah. He sees the chair sort of folded up in the corner. And it's this idea that he sees what the Joker put her through. And they, they kind of are bonding over this, and, and you know, and you start how to... different her road was to his, right? Like, yeah, his involved Roz in the league in a Lazarus pit, an actual death. Hers was, you know, her being able to be surrounded by those that she cares about to to pull through, and yeah. I, so I do like that. Like that yeah. aspect's great. Yeah, I don't like... a... yeah, I don't mean that, but it follows up, of course, with them kissing. And she does immediately say, that's a mistake. I was just trying to show that I cared because clearly Jason feels that no one's ever cared about him. So it's kind of right. the point. But I think the frustrating thing about this in a wider meta context 
is that Babs now, in the last five years, right, through different mediums even, right, but in the last five years, right, has had sex with Bruce in an animated movie, has been shacked up with Tim in a video game, right? And Ooh, it, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, right? And obviously she's always had a history with Dick, which is the one that's normal and we all expect. Um, but after this, I'm like, okay, when is she banging Damien? Because clearly we're heading there at some point. Because it started to feel like, oh, we could just have Babs go around at every least, Bat family member at this point. At like, least uh, yeah. with Dick, Jason, and Tim, they're all reasonably close in age with Babs. It's, it's, it's not, it's not, not about like age. Weird, but right? No, no, but I mean, in comparison with, with Bruce and then Damien at the other end, oh, that sure. would be but, weird at both ways. All right. But it's not about age. This is not about the inappropriate nature of any of the. Any, no, any of those three are completely appropriate in terms of context of age and whatever else you want to judge it on. But, but when you're doing, when you're talking about the game, and I know not, I don't know what game this is. Could they not have thrown Steph in there? Um, like, well, that was the weird thing is that it was, it was, it was Arkham Knight, and it was Tim, and it was this weird thing, and it wasn't like much to the game. It was just. It was just like, oh, by the way, uh, in this game's universe, Bab and Tim are a couple instead of Bab and Dick. And that's just... I, I, I think I defended this at the time. I don't mind this. I actually think Babs and Tim are a pretty decent they're, fit. They're, they're too much alike. There's no way no, that... No, possibly. Works. I think that... No, yeah. I think that is a very thing, fair point to make, that they are very alike. But I think that makes sense to me as to why they'd try it at some point. But yeah, the, 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 I, I don't like... Babs being this token girl that yeah that, this off. is this is the problem this is Jean Grey in the original X Men where every single guy wants to bang her that, that this is yeah. the problem here is not the inappropriate nature with any particular character the problem like, is that now she's this character who oh we we need some sort of uh, romance to go on here with one of the Batfall members oh why not use Babs Babs is the lady here, she she can be done yeah, use for that although here I kind of want to defend it a little bit out of the it is a state of shock thing and it's not like it goes farther than that you know if they end up as a couple at the end of this at the end of the next issue then then i can be upset but as of right now it's they're they're both you know going through something emotionally crippling you know having to deal with the idea of three jokers and which one is the one that's tied to them and and all this other stuff and chasing you know getting uh beat near to death again so you know, so I, while I don't like it, again, it's not a deal breaker. Like, I heard people going like, oh, I'm not even going to read the third issue now. And I'm like, well, all right, you do I, you. I, I'm not I mean, argue until you have to. I want to see where it but, goes. I, I want to see, like, yeah. what it yeah. does with I this. Mean, but I'm not even really enjoying it that much. But, I mean, I've read two-thirds of it at this point. I might as well just get Fabricard, the last one though. at this stage. And and <laughs> the Fabricar is gorgeous. Like, yeah, again, again, every single yeah. complaint I have, so, is is conceptual dialogue. There is yeah. nothing about the the pacing of the art, the storytelling in the art. Just the just the sheer quality of it is next level. Yeah. It is up there. Is yeah. the best art in DC's had in years. It's up there in that conversation. Would it, would it surprise you that the one issue I have signed by Fabic is a is a Fabic Poison Ivy? Not at like, all. That is no, completely right? on brand. And I I just and he's come leagues from that that was from um detective comics with layman back during the new 52 you know and his art from there as great as it looked then through dark side war and justice league to now like yeah Fabric it's amazing has always been a good like you know upper tier artist mm -hmm. i think it's safe to say this is the best work of his career so far 
Yeah, like, I, I, I would agree with that. Even close for me. Uh, I, I think this is just uh, a complete cut above everything else he's ever done that I've seen. Maybe someone will show me something else that I've not read, which is yeah. possible. Well, to bring uh, this background me, to uh, the topic we were on, I, I think the other thing with this that ties into this 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 problem is. It's kind of got that that TV syndrome where a lot of shows that run too long end up doing this thing where every possible combination of coupling that could happen will eventually happen just because there's no creativity. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's got to be a name for that. There's, there should be a name I, for I call it. Frenzing. Yeah. Because by yeah, the end of Friends, it's, it's Joey and uh, Rachel. That, that's what this is, but yeah, even more yeah, anger-inducing. That, that's yeah. what that's what well, it is. Even, yeah, because at that point, I don't care. Like I, I care about maybe four episodes of Friends. This isn't, you know, Barbara <laughs> Gordon, who I really care about. You know what I mean? Like, Wait, at that point on episodes? Friends, it's like, yeah, whatever. Huh? What are the four episodes? All right, let's not talk about Friends. <laughs> no, Jesus I'm, I'm, I'm no, no, no. I will say, my my favorite Friends episode of all time, and it's one I'll watch anytime, is when they're all late, and it's basically a bottle episode to, to Ross's uh, paleontology dinner, and that mm. one still makes me laugh like a madman. I don't even like Friends that much, um, but that, that's an early, I want to say like season three. Yeah. Um, I just threw out four to, to throw out a thing. But, you know, just to show it's not Barbara Gordon, who I do care about as a character. Like she's Friends, Friends is just the, the easy example for this because uh, because yeah. the whole the whole first chunk of the show was about Ross and Rachel. And then you get mm-hmm. to this later part where it's like, oh, hey, now it's, now it's Joey and Rachel for some reason, just because yeah. they've ran out of things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of sitcoms are guilty of it. And mm-hmm. this kind of feels a little oh. bit like that to me. And then on top of that, again, with this problem where, and again, it's in different mediums. It's not even like it's all been in comic books. But having all these things happen in the last five or so years, it really, it starts to take this kind of toll as a, as a whole. And I just kind of feel this laziness with the, the idea of what to do with Barbara Gordon as a character. And it makes her feel less like her own character and more like a tool that's being used around the other characters. So, um... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not because oh, like you know, someone I like is with a character I don't like. I don't give a shit. I mean, I do care a little bit, but it's not, I'm not angry about that. Like the anger yeah. here is more about how she is a character on her own merits is kind of being used, and I think it. I mean, this might not be a big deal in hell. For all we know, next issue this could turn out to all be inside Jason's head because he's a dirty little pervert, and that's fine. But <laughs> yeah, it'll almost and be can... more annoying because of the way it's it presented, be. where it's very clearly <laughs> not right. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm no, just throwing out ideas. I, I didn't know this about Babs and Tim in the game, mm. because had I known that, then it would definitely color the opinion. I'd probably be a little bit more annoyed when I first read this, but this is just like, oh, this is a mistake. Like Pete's talking about. In context of you know? that game, I don't think she was ever with Dick. That that was never a relationship. It yeah, was but color, the still the, the no, I get the it. medicines of it though is no, I, is I, what's I frustrating. You know, especially when there's other characters that they could pull from. You know, they don't have to have Barbara Gordon in that game. You know, it could have easily been Steph. And Tim. To be fair, Barbara was quite important in that game. Steph just... Yeah, t- Tim is the weird one because Tim, he just happened yeah. to be the Robin in the game. And it was this sort of thing. They just sort of tacked it on so they could have, like, in the epilogue at the end to say, hey, they're happy together now, happily ever after. There wasn't yeah, much it was to it. kind of a nothing thing, really. But it was just yeah. a weird but thing that stuck out. It- and the grand thing, it is something that sticks with me now that that's the, the first three Robins. And like, come on, Johns, you, you're so, better than so that. So far, we're only at two of them in comics. Yeah. But, and comics, but I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's one of those things that's really unfortunate. And I, yeah, so no, I don't like this turn of events. And I will, 
Uh, I mean, it's not as bad as I thought because of like the way it was been hinted at. I was almost expecting a uh, Killing Joke movie scene with them on a rooftop or something. Like, and I was it's still like the worst moment in any DC animated film. Oh, it is. easily. He'd have me watch that with zero context to <laughs> see how upset I got. Well, the movie or just that scene? No, the movie. He goes, go ahead, watch Killing Joke. It's it's, it's decent. And then when I got to that point in the movie, I go, you son of a bitch. How dare you? Yeah. Why? Why? Why Because then his reasoning was, I had to see it, so now you have to. Yes, yes. Feel my anger. And then we did a review on it. The annoying part of that is that the movie after that like new half-hour chunk wasn't too bad. It was a decent adaptation of the book. But the problem is that 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 romance element they added in completely changes the tone of so much of what's in the, the original story. That yeah, but, yeah. Um, I think technically uh, Babs was with Bruce in the Lego Batman, but that's very different, and I mean, she was much like yo, very different version of Babs. Not yeah, that's not the Barbara Gordon we know. That she is was a... like police commissioner Barbara Gordon at that point. Actually, yeah. Actually, it's, it's completely different. In Titan Season 3, they're having Barbara Gordon, but she's going to be the commissioner, so she's going to be older than Dick. Is this going to be the one where she's like been dating Alfred? Is that, is that what they're going to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> Even Alfred uh, gets a turn. You know? See the problem I mean, with this? Yeah, it's the least they can do before they send him off. <laughs> I'll just, you know, it, it yeah. would be nice. Is she still Batgirl in that universe? And Titan, do, we, that? do we not know yet? I don't know if we know. I don't, well, I, I don't keep up with the Titans news. Oh, do I? I, yeah. just, I just know she's commissioner in season three. No, I, I'm really disappointed at how much I dislike that show because I learned that uh, Hill is like one of the main writers on it. Oh, that's a shame. And I'm like, oh man, I yeah, thought he's, I liked... he's pretty good. He's pretty he good. Is. Usually. Yeah, like... it's not that show. Huh. But hey, uh, so how does this end? Oh yeah, they've got Joe Joker's got Joe Chill. <laughs> Chill. Yeah, that's oh, right. They said. Yes. And then, and then again, I don't like, like. I groaned. I groaned at this last page. Why did you really kill Thomas and Martha? Wait, no, stop this. <laughs> don't need any more bullshit explanations. I want Joe Chill to go. I needed money for my family, and it was an accident. And then Bruce hugs him, and Joker goes, "That's not how this is supposed to work." And then kills Joe Hill. Hey, that's the imagine Joe Hill. Not Joe Hill. Hill. You leave Joe Hill alone. If, hey, if that if this book has the audacity, and I mean that in a good way, to have uh, Batman forgive Joe Chill, you know what? It's done something ballsy that I can respect. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's the only way that they get out of it without me starting off grumpy on the next issue. You know, because of the way this locked me. I got I, I got I, the I end of this. At this last page i was yeah. like oh not this shit again no i i was reading this before bed and i had the the light cell on i told ashley when when i'm done i'll shut off the light and then i not that i threw it down but i i gave it an annoyed like slam the light switch uh, it, yeah no i just and I, I put the book away she goes what i go i don't even want to talk about it I, uh... she goes, and she goes they kill the waynes again goes, no. <laughs> i am um, I read this first just to get it out of the way and, and thinking yeah. there might be something in this that annoys me, so I want to make sure something afterwards makes me feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jeff. It was a good plan. It was the right call. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good plan. <laughs> Stand by it. Put that, put that on the trade. Oh. <laughs> read this first so then your day's not ruined. <laughs> Connor. <laughs> <laughs> read something else after this. <laughs> Oh, okay. So oh, I guess dear. we're going to get to rating it then. Uh, yeah, I suppose we are. I 
yeah. I mean, it gives us a lot to talk about, if nothing else. I'll give it that. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Matt, what are you giving Three Jokers issue to? So, this is a weird one, because the story, while it wasn't bad, it was really decompressed, but the art is really, really, really good. So I, I want to give it a 7, but I think that might be too high, but the art, I think, justifies at least 6 of that. You know? So yeah, I'll go 7. <laughs> Connor? Um, for context, I checked, I gave the last issue a 5.5. Uh, and and this one I like less because of its pacing as well as the ideas. Uh, so I'm going to give this one a four point five, and like four of those points are for Fabok. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with a six point five on this. Obviously, there's some ideas I don't like, uh, particularly towards the end. But there's a lot of ideas that I do like, and I do think, as we've mentioned, the art is is extremely very good. It feels like it has the production value of like. Um, you know, the, the story's a bit flawed, obviously, but if this was a movie, this is something that's had, like, $300 million spent on it to look immaculate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the script's a little bit off in some of its ideas. So, yeah, there I go, 6.5 for me. Batman, Joker... Oh, no, 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 I'm skipping one. De- <laughs> Dark Knights, Death Metal, Multiverse's End, Issue 1, James Tynan the Fourth, and Juan Gideon. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is... Kind of surprised that this was just one story. Yes, this could have been a mini series. Um, not in the sense that the other two one shots this month were all also just one story. So I was expecting just one story. Fair enough. For whatever reason, when I came into this one, Multiverse's End, it just sounded like it was going to be like a not necessarily a full I, anthology, but like two or three stories. No, I get that, but I feel like there's a lot going on here. This could have been a three issue, and I would have been fine with it. Okay, I mean, okay. I mean that said, it's also like what 50 pages so if they did split it into three yeah. there'd only be 10 more pages technically yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah. so uh, that's, that's what i thought what you meant by just one story just one issue mm. um that said i i really enjoyed this this is what i love about dc events when it plays with all of the different continuities and, and just yeah and just like i get guy gardner talking to captain carrot and, like, and Guy Gardner well, having fun punching some Nazis. Let's explain the context yeah. of this. Uh, so the the book is essentially John Stewart trying to convince Owlman from Earth Three that he should enact his plan because Owlman has basically rigged all of the tuning forks in the six remaining multiverses to go. He's actually planned for all this, and his motivation is quite interesting. He basically is pissed because he is the one true anti-Batman who existed way before yeah. all these dark multiverse crap phony Batman ever showed I up. I love this. That's, that's a great idea. Um, and I so, love that he's hipster evil Batman. So the, the, the wraparound is him basically learning from John Stewart what the context is, which gives us a bit of a recap of certain things and so on. Yeah, uh, meanwhile... Meanwhile, we see some of the teams in the various multiverses fighting back. We see, basically, all, all led by Green Lantern, more or less. We have Hal in one universe, mm-hmm. we've got Guy in one, we've got Jessica and Simon in another, and they're all fighting back Kyle. against the various... And we have uh, Perpetua unleashes the, uh, the, 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 the multi-color core of bat- evil Batman uh, to fight everyone. Uh, I love the meta, because I, I got annoyed at that, and then when we get to the end... And it's it's Owlman going off about how much of a bad idea they are. Uh, and I'm just like, ah, Tinian, you are really proving your merit here. Well, okay. I mean, if you're like, going to jump to that, let's, let's do it properly. So, 
the, the whole idea here with Owl Man is what eventually convinces him that he should side with you know the Justice League and whoever's left trying to save the multiverse is that he sees through the uh, was it the Harbinger Chronicles whatever mm-hmm. it is. Uh, he's like, okay, how there was previous owl men? Like, how did they die? Because he learns, you because know, he learns about the crisis. He learns about how Perpetua was At whispering. First he's he's good that he's not even the original anti batman Yeah, but he, he hears about yeah. how, how Perpetua was whispering in the ears of the Monitor and the Anti Monitor and mm-hmm. and Darkseid and how all the crisis happened and all built up to her being released. And he's like, okay, so how did the original? How did the previous owl men all die? And he sees how each one died, and he's like, okay, I'm convinced. And then as he's playing out his plan, the reason why he he's like on board with this and he wants to destroy all these children for us and why he wants to make sure that batman and batman's world survives is because as long as he survives there's always going to be an old man because he's permanent there's always because every time reality resets there's always an old man because there always has yeah. to be an old man the real anti-batman will always exist because there's always going to be a batman it's genius i, I kind of love this um <laughs> well and i love that it plays too with what we learned in metal about the, the owl and the hawks you know and how the bat became that symbol mm-hmm. uh, and then the owl was the corrupted version of that and that's why he was owl man and on earth three and um and just him the the, the no more bats and that was was a real fun page um, there's a lot of references in this issue oh yeah i mean there's yeah. even a, there's even a a joke about putting kale in a fridge uh yeah, yeah. That, that was probably the only one i didn't really like that much that one felt a bit a little bit off to me that was that was a bit too elbow nudgy going like huh Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. again, um, man, it's fine. Also, Kale's yeah, on I, again. Kale's on the vampire planet, just for the record, and he's pissed yeah, that he's so on a vampire planet. There's, there's structure, and he said if he gets bit, he's coming back and taking the rest of the, the <laughs> core, uh, which I, I did like. I think that's fair. But the so with Perpetua's plan, the 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 tuning towers are on the four of the darkest realities. Uh, which I did like. So, you know, you have Earth-3, you have the um, the Earth-10 with, with the, uh, the Freedom Fighters, where Guy Gardner's punching Nazis, making Vendetti proud. Um, and then we got the, the Vampire Batman. 29-43. 43 is the Vampires. Right. 29's the Bizarro one. Bizarro, which I like that that's a dark one, even though Bizarro isn't dark, that world's very dark. Yeah, even though he's not inherently dark, just the idea that they're opposites of all the goodness makes it bad. Right. I like that. And then, of course, the the whole vampire Batman Earth. Um, And then uh, 50. Which one was 50? That's the Justice Lords. Oh, yes. Where where Flash dies. It's from the cartoon. Yeah. And they become, you know, fascist superheroes. And it's almost, you know, they're not Nazis, but they're, you know adjacent at that point so um and then of course the the tuning fork that's on the the metal on earth zero um that goes in but no um and i love how layered this was for that oh yeah and you've got because even when it keeps coming back to the characters who are doing the fighting there's some good best be captain carrot i thought uh but he was crying his eyes out because of the people that he's lost and you know those moments that he's never had to deal with death matt you might And you know we had because uh, Carrot was with uh, with with was with Guy. He had like you mm-hmm. know Guy yeah. punching the Nazis and, and Irish you know, practicing I, his one punch knockout. Yes, and Irish yeah. Irish Kid Flash was with uh, that team as well. Yeah, that that's yeah. from uh, the Irish Kid Flash. That's from Kingdom Come, right? 
That's that's the new Flash. I can't remember. It's been too long. It's, it's been okay. a while since I read. So, I tried to find this out this morning. This is how I left my iPad in, in my wife's car. Uh, as you're going to the uh, dog park this morning, I was cro- trying to cross-reference. Where's the Justice Incarnate Wonder Woman from? What Earth? Because they were talking about how much of a warrior she is, but I can't place the Earth. Um, it was driving me nuts. I think they said Earth 6. Okay. Or which Earth that is. I haven't got a multiverse. I have to, I have to find, because Earth <laughs> 5 is the Shazam one. So I looked up yeah. Justice League, or the Justice Incarnate. Try, try Earth 6, because I've, I've got a... I think that was the one that she was. Well, doing. while he's looking that up, let's talk about maybe even the best thing in this issue, which I, I love the old man stuff. I love old man's motivations and why mm-hmm. he does what he does. It's actually, I mean, it's technically the actual best thing in the issue. But let's talk about the fact that that bat baby from the uh, that last one shot popped so, back up, leading yeah, the, the lantern. Yes, reading the lantern cores, and some of his dialogue is absolutely wonderful. Uh, like. I'm going to eat your effing heart with my baby teeth. Yes. Stood out. No, I'm a Batman. I can't lose. Uh, was was another line I liked. And then even at the end, he tries to please like, but I'm just widow. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you've got like quite serious elements going on with the, you know, the, the John and Alman stuff. Serious in context of the story. Yeah. Right. But then you have utterly ridiculous things like baby bat and, Captain Carrot is inherently a cartoonish, funny character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you have a, a wide spectrum of things in this yeah. issue. Although Captain Carrot stuff played does. pretty seriously. Although, mm-hmm. Baby Bat, just for record, if you're thinking, you know, I didn't, you didn't buy this issue. So you're just hearing what happened in the one shots because you can't afford to like pick up all the all the tie-ins. That's mm-hmm. fair enough. Um, and you heard us talk about how the whole story with Baby Bat in the last time was that he couldn't stand up. His ha- his head was too heavy and he kept falling over. <laughs> Uh, he's gotten around that uh, now because he has a, a bat jetpack that he flies around in. He's basically bat Modoke. <laughs> yeah. I, I just finished West Coast Avengers, and yeah, it very much reminds me of Modoke. Yeah, you're yeah. not wrong. Um, that a bad idea? Okay, so real quick, if she's from Earth Six, then that is the Just Imagine Stan Lee universe. Oh. and that checks oh. out. Yeah, where that makes sense. She's. It says she's uh, an activist protesting against corporate excavation of an ancient Incan holy site near her village, um, Maria Mendoza. So, yeah. So that that okay. Thank you, Connor, because it was driving me nuts. Um, I couldn't remember what Earth, and I couldn't. I, going back through and trying to. Yeah, I think at one point when one. she's calling for help, she says, "You know, this is Wonder Woman of Earth 6. There you go. Okay. So, well, I, I like know. that she's there. Um, yeah. As as there's a, uh, a wide variety of the the fifty two Earths represented, mm-hmm. uh, and I I I love how much DC has embraced multiversity and the, just the concept and the map because it was such like a, just a, a side project ultimately that, that Morrison did, and I love that book that series all those one shots I think it's it's a great story in its own right but the the, the idea that they did latch onto it and went no we're gonna we're gonna build. Yeah, but this. how many times does DC do that now? When you think, when you think back to all the other stories that were technically just outside of continuity that have become oh, part course. of continuity. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about you know Killing Joke in uh, in, in three jo- uh, in three Jokers, right. right? Yeah. So, and this is why I like Morrison because he's almost the anti Alan Moore, where he wants you to use his ideas. He leaves these breadcrumbs, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, use it." it. <laughs> yeah. And and the fact that there's still seven Earths that are not known. So there's seven other ones that people could decide. And, and you no, know, he intentionally left them blank yeah. for 
maybe for future movie or TV adaptations, so oh. we can slot those into that Earth, or maybe okay, you you need a new Earth for whatever reason, right? Yeah. yeah. Have at it. You got seven to choose. Grand Morrison has exactly the opposite amount of hair of Alamur as well, so I suppose mm-hmm. that tracks out. So if, if this enemies. is if there is every you know force has an equal and opposite, I feel like Alan Moore and Grant Morrison are those opposites. You know, down <laughs> to like Pete just said the hair. You know, Alan Moore is also he's English, right? Yes, and yeah, Morrison is, is Scottish. Scottish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's it's, it's a just, very deep seated rivalry between both, the pair of them. Both both apparently use magic. You know, yeah. you know, to tell stories and whatnot. Both have worked on, you know, meta stories. So like, it's it's very weird. Um, but anyways, I just like uh, just to tag on what Connor was saying. The fact that there's so many of the um, the different Earths at play here. This really does feel like the multiverse. Like it lives up to its title, Multiversity's End. Yeah, and uh, Multiverse's End. Even even just the stuff like when Alman's reviewing his history, you know, they talk about okay, you know, you, you know, this was born with the the new fifty two Earths, and it's just like, no, screw it, we're just going to use that as a designation. It's fine. And I'm like, and there are sometimes when they use things like like a like the zero year or Flash's year one, where I'm like, don't put this in the story. That doesn't work. It's terrible. Whereas this, I kind of just okay, I, it's it's kind of working for me here. Well, what else are we going to call it? Basically, like it's you know, there has to be some sort of designation you know, breakdown for it. for it yeah yeah because I, I, I wasn't sure how i was going to feel about this early on because early on it was like okay it's jumping around a lot there's some of us a bit recappy because you know it was like okay explain the backstory and he's like okay well there's perpetua and the source walls and the crisis and then, and, and then you build into you know traditional crisis backstories as yeah. well so and, but once yeah. it once it built up enough and it got to owl man actually being convinced and has motivations and Everything about that, and then the fun of the uh, the 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 Bat Baby with the the Lantern Core Batman. Like once it got to all that, though, and it all started to click into place, it actually felt like a really well-rounded full issue that somehow has completed a trilogy of you know tie-in one-shots this month that have all felt like they're all, if not essential, all add a lot to the overall story, mm-hmm. and somehow has continued the trend where I don't think Death Metal's had a bad one, like a bad tie-in. This show so There's far? been like okay tie-ins, yeah, you know, like some of the early ones where we were like, yeah, it was just all right. Well, I liked them more than um, you did. You, you were, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you wouldn't really you know. They weren't great either, right? You were like, yeah, they were all right. I'm not saying they were bad, but I don't think you were batting for them being great issues. Right, I think you're underselling it. Though. I think it was more than just all right. I, I think my exact phrase at the time was, "I am pleasantly surprised. These are actually pretty good." <laughs> but I mean, even still, like even. But by my standards, you know, they're all all right, at least. There hasn't been a bad issue. You know, I might say those were a little bit superfluous and just kind of, yeah, you know, you could skip them quite easily if you, you know, wanted to. Uh, These three are a bit different where I would probably advise them to be recommended reading for the event. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one, the most of all, the the Trinity Crisis, I think that's Mm -hmm. the most essential one. And then Probably this one, because I know this one at the end says it's going to be followed up in a, a different one shot. Yeah. But just this dealing with the uh, the, the tuning forks feels like an important beat overall, uh, mm-hmm. at least to me. Uh, and the the Flash one uh, is probably the least important of the three, but still, uh, you know. I think this one and the Flash one feel about equal to me, because they're both essentially things that you can sum up as, these other characters achieved a thing. Okay, let's move forward. That's, that's, so, that's what they both boil down to. 
So, so what I like that they all play in the spirit of what a crisis is, is that we get to see the three different crises in, in the first one, um, in Trinity Crisis. And it explains to us that crises are important because these are flashpoint moments in DC history where, where things change for the, you know, big, big changes. And then, you know, in, in a crisis, the Flash always has something important to do. And in this one, in, in Speed Metal, we got to see the flashes, you know, trying to go toe to toe with the darkest night and, and, and teasing that. Well, a flash always dies in crisis. Right. Yeah. And here explains why crises are so important beyond their flashpoints. It's like, this is why is it, you know, with the whole meta idea of our man's purpose I, here, of the I'm it has on the multiverse as a whole, not just yeah. our handful of characters. I mean, obviously, cool. quite a large cast of characters, but relatively speaking, in the multiverse, a small handful. Joe, so funny right. about this is I'm looking at the way that these one shots are all building up, and some of them I feel are quite important to the overall story. Mm-hmm. It basically, to me, says that the trade for death metal is going to be basically useless, and you should wait for the omnibus that'll have all of it included because most yeah. of it seems like it's actually quite important at this or point. Or at the very least, they might do a deluxe one with some of the things cherry picked. Um, they do obviously usually release the trades with these one shots more or less alongside the main trade. Um, so you could probably pick that up as long as you're aware going in that, okay, stop after issue three or whatever it was and go and read these one shots. Yeah. If you've got the other book there. So, yeah, but I think mean, the optimal... It's, it's a less ideal... Yeah, the optimal it. experience for this is absolutely going to be an omnibus. Like when they do the thousand page omnibus, because it'll probably be about that once you account for all these one shots that are all 50 pages plus the main seven issue book. Like... It's easily going to get there, I think, or close to it. I mean, so. the main book alone is going to be, what, about 200 pages by the end? Because I think they're a bit oversized. Yeah, so and uh, this is, what, our fifth, like, 50-page one-shot so mm-hmm. far? Yeah, and we've got at least five or six more to get. Yeah, so we uh, we're usually do that. And then some of those big, like, 80 to 100-page one-shots we're getting in December, I think what, yeah. what, at least one of them is more tied to death metal than the other two are, so I don't know if that ends I up being included, so... So so far out of all of them, I feel like the first one, the the Trinity Crisis, if they're gonna throw that into the death metal, that one's probably that's the one, the one that, feel, that they did yeah, the most. That's the one that feels like it may be in the main trade no matter what, just because it actually does feel like it's just issue four point five right, or three point five. Just drawn by Manipul and Sakula. Honestly, that's the only reason that isn't issue four is mm-hmm. the artists. Right. I, I'm convinced they just wanted the they wanted the main book to be just Snyder and Capullo, and I get that. You know that this mm-hmm. is their story, and I appreciate that that you want that. You know you want to put the artist on on equal it, footing. It's uh, it's, it's hard to like, sort of pretend that it's anything but the real issue for just because even the cliffhangers leading into the next issue. So it's not yeah. even like it's a standalone thing that you can kind of some way carve out. It's no, this has a cliffhanger that they're going to address in the next issue. Death yeah, <laughs> and and this one says it's going to be continued in Rise, uh, Rise of the New God. And I don't know when that issue is off the top of my head, but ah, it's coming up, I'm sure. Uh, oh, and, if I'm it, sure. and if it hasn't been solicited, then we'll see it in January. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it has been solicited. Yep. It, it rings a bell, and if more importantly, if it hadn't, we would have had uh, plenty of news sites this week telling us, "Oh, this this new issue is going to be coming," and you know, why haven't we heard about it yet? Hmm. So, no, surprisingly very good. These one-shots, I mean, I think overall this has been a very impressive event so far. Now, they could completely shut the bed with the back half and all the ending stuff, but at the very least, I can't remember the last time that I've been into an event where every single tie-in thus far 
and I'm including the Justice League, you know, we've only had one issue of it so far. And don't be wrong, I think the Justice League arc from the one issue doesn't feel as impressive as any of these recent one-shots, but it still feels like it's worth reading. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't remember the last time on events with all, with all these tie-ins has actually felt like I'm actually enjoying, like, digging into more of this. I'm not, instead of feeling exhausted by all these superfluous tie-ins, I'm like, oh, this is a lot of extra little bits of context and different corners of the not, universe. Like, and If it was, like, two, three tie-ins a week, it drags you down. At most, we're getting one, maybe two issues at most a week. Yeah, it feels like they, they've learned to pace them. Yeah. And uh, I did just check the uh, the Rise of the New God. Uh, it's coming October 27th. Um, what is interesting is it's apparently it's only the backup story that spins out of the cliffhanger from Multiverse's End. Okay. I say cliffhanger. I mean, That's tentatively, fine. T- yeah, tentative use of that in the, the solicit there. Uh, but it also has uh, Brian Hill listed as one of the writers with Tynan. So I'm assuming okay. Hill's doing the main story and Tynan's doing the one continuing from this. Uh, but I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, all right, Matt, what are you rating? Uh, that... I mean, I, we, I don't feel like you talked about the art, which I feel really matches the, the chaotic like aspect of everything that's going on, because I feel like, you know, Guy fits in right next to Captain Carrot and it's, um... the... It's a the real baby. It's a real yeah. talent to make the art feel not just consistent, but to have it be across all these different Earths and feel like it suits all of them in yep. in in their own well, way. They are very different Earths. The the big head baby Batman and the rainbow Batman do not feel out of place next to Owlman. You know, right? And, and like I say, Captain Carrot next to uh-huh. you know, Ultraman, for example, right? Uh, just just works. Right. So uh, now that I, th- I threw that there, I'm giving this an eight point five. This is a whole lot of fun. Connor? Yeah, same from me. Eight point five. Yeah, I'm also going to go eight point five. Uh, very impressed with the old man stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, really quite love that motivation and what they did with him. So, uh, cool. Batman: The Joker War Zone issue one by various because there's multiple stories by multiple writers That's... and artists. I'm not even going to bother trying. Um, this is. I mean, I'm looking forward to talking about one of them in particular, but we'll do it in yes. order. We'll do it in order. It's so overall impressions, though. I think we can kind of just talk about that quickly before we yeah. talk about individual stories. I, um, I mostly like bad. this. Yeah. So I think my it, biggest complaint is very few of them feel like complete stories. They all feel like prologue teasers for things that yep. are coming in 2021. And I'm like, that's that's great. Some of these could have just been like, you know, occasionally they release those free like teaser zero issue things on Comicsology, mm-hmm. just like here's like ten pages of, I, of a free thing. Like most of them kind of feel like that, even though I quite enjoy I mean, them as a whole. I mean, they could they could have done that, but like I have no problem with them saying, "Hey, we've got a book that teases a bunch of Bat Family stuff for the next year." Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's a here's a here's a collection of teasers. Like no, I, I get no problem it. with that, and, and I like all of the things it's teasing. I just don't think any yeah. of these are a satisfying short story in their own right, or maybe maybe one or two of them, but well, not many of them. I think there's that, two of them. I think a... really fit the other ones. I think those are the two that almost tie in. Well, one of them ties into Joker War more than the other one. The other ones are a really good tease for something coming up, but then yeah, the rest of them. I like that. I, I yeah, I, I am excited for what's going on with Batman, which I usually don't. Yeah. Although, then again, this is not a lot of Batman. This is side characters that I happen yeah, to enjoy. Yeah, I, I have no problem <laughs> so. with this being teases for stuff coming in 2021. Yeah. Obviously, the first story is get the Gillen March chart, which obviously isn't great. Which 
but I love the story and I hate Tynan for oh, this. Oh no, no, I, I do too. Basically, this this story is Joker taunting Bane, who's like you know strapped up to this anti venom machine. Yeah, getting basically a. <laughs> A dialysis machine for Venom. Yeah, um, to keep him when weak he enough. put the mask on on Bane, I was like, "Oh, you disrespectful shit!" Yeah. So what this is is basically the idea that well, two things. One, Joker taunting him that hey, you took over the city. So this actually you know keeps King's run in mind and continuity and yep. refers back to it a lot. Uh, but the big thing he does is that he basically says, "You wasted the biggest thing any of us could have done." Now, what's funny about this, of course. Is that that was actually less Bane and more, uh, you know, the, the Flashpoint Batman that did this. But yeah. obviously, I don't imagine that's general knowledge for a lot of the the, the, the villains I, in Gotham. Right, but Joker knows, um, but because he he brings up that that imposter Batman. I don't yeah. know if he knows how much the imposter Batman, as he puts it, was kind of behind. Sure. Him. Yeah, because he's he's clearly blaming Bane for the kill itself. So I think he doesn't know that it was. You know, I don't think he knows that Flashpoint Batman was the 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 mastermind who was pulling the strings, if you will. Okay. Uh, but the big thing here, though, is like no, that Butler was like the one last thing, like to make Batman feel what he felt as a kid. The idea that you could, you know, kill him is the ultimate, you know, pull of the trigger to really mess with them. It's, it's the biggest, most cataclysmic thing you could do to that person. And you wasted it with him not even being there to see it. <laughs> you wasted it on his kid. On a Robin. You know, you didn't yeah, uh... break, you're not Bane who broke the bat. You've turned into Bane who broke the little bird. Like, that's who you are. And, him you know... talking down to Bane is one of my favorite things because it fits in with the Harley Quinn <clears throat> TV show continuity. It does. But... So... I just I love it. it ends with him walking away uh, through the you know, the mist of the, the why, why Bane still has mist on it is another question but whatever I'll, I'll give it creative license and Bane's just left there essentially quietly contemplating the fact that the Joker has just belittled him so much and it's like you know Bane's got something to prove like in mm-hmm. 2021 Bane might come swinging because he wants to prove that he's still the big bad Bane I hope he breaks that. the clown that's what I, I'm hoping for. What I want is a Bane story at last in for the first time in years where it's not ultimately, oh, someone else was the big bad. Right. Hmm. Well, I want Bane trying to prove himself. Yeah, I, that's why I've always liked Bane. And, and again, that falls into my type of bat villain that could be the hero with a, a couple turns. <clears throat> that uh, That's what I did like in King's Run, that him and Bruce are so similar. They're both built up from tragedy, but the way they went about it was so different. And that I'm kind of rooting for Bane to have a hand in defeating Joker. Yeah, I know it's not going to happen, but one of the things know. here uh, that's really old school that Tynan, who wrote this story, I should have mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, chose to do is that the narration at the start and the end. Uh, it's not the usual first person narration from Bane. It's actually third person, so it's a very old school villain sounding. Uh, and this is funny because later on for the patreon book i'm going to do issue one of grant morrison's animal man which has is an example of this so i actually just read something with a senate today but uh it's very old school if you go back to stuff from the 80s and early 90s there's a lot of third person narration for villains the idea that we don't get to hear what they're thinking we hear kind of this ominous third presence describing what they're thinking and the the the, the, the box here that i think is really good at right at the end as he says he's talking about the guards walking by and them being scared but not of him and the exact panel that i love is he hears the word clown and part of him wants to scream, but instead he waits. Like, I'm like, damn, that gets me psyched for, like, you know, like, what's he going to be like when he gets out of there? 
Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, I love it. I love it. Obviously, Gellar March's art is Blair, but... <laughs> yeah. And, and it, I hate that this means that this story that we're teasing here is probably going to be the Gellar March story, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very possible, yeah. It, it tempers my excitement a tad, even though I think the the core concept and the story idea has me very excited for it. It absolutely does. Uh, but just the fact that I go, this is probably going to be a March story. just <laughs> makes me go, mm-hmm. just a little I mean, bit. That said, he draws the ghastliness of Bane hooked to that machine really well, you know? Honestly, um, Bane's physique's one of the things that Gellar March may actually be quite good at. <laughs> it's because yeah. Bane is one of those few characters you can go stupidly 90s overboard with and no one will yeah. question. Yeah. yeah, so that's tease number one for 2021. Uh, I would say it's successful in what it's teasing. The second, I, I also think that's one of the more well-rounded stories. Sure, that has a point to it. Sure. Uh, well, they all have a point. It's just that you don't like that they're not a point uh, no, on their of a themselves. Point beyond the tease, a point of a, a, as a story in their own little right. Because the next story is teasing the John Ridley Batman story. It's coming because yeah. John Ridley wrote this. Oliver Couple on the art. And this is him kind of recuperating from the attack from Punchline. Uh, and I think what this told me more than anything else is not only that obviously Luke Fox being like a, a Batman type character is going to be a big deal, but also that we're really going to get their family as a whole because we get interested in a lot of characters here uh, and their family. Yeah, vaguely met most of them before. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I say introduced. I don't mean it's the first time I've seen them. I just mean that it's, you know, in terms of like this story and this run that we're going to have, this is clearly the introduction to this family unit and how they all interact with each other. You know, mm-hmm. he- hearing the others, hearing, seeing the injury even on Tamara, uh, you know, with their mangled fingers uh, from from an attack. Like, uh, you know, this stuff is is pretty. You know, it, it gives it a different sense. And uh, we have this attack where a bunch of Joker uh, henchmen show up because they they want the the drive with the money from Catwoman that uh, that Fox got in the. Was that in Catwoman 25 or was that in... It was. Yeah, was yeah it? it was in Catwoman 25. Yeah. And there was an editor's note to tell you about that as well. There was an editor's note, but I was trying to remember if it was accurately in that book itself no, or if it was it, in the, it was. the other thing. Yeah, okay. I think that was the end of the main story of mm-hmm. that book. That sounds right. But, yeah, so obviously uh, Lucas Fox armors up, you know, was all Batwing. Oh, I missed Batwing. Uh, Do you know what? It occurred to me, you know, when, when, the, when the gauntlet comes out, because that's what you see first, I was like, holy shit, I don't think I've seen Batwing since Tynan's Detective Run ended. No. Like, I, I genuinely don't think I've seen him he's, in, in he's a single just, book. No, he's kind of just disappeared. He's on to the back. Like, we've seen Luke Fox here or there, mm-hmm. like, occasionally. Like, I mean, you know, as recently as Catwoman, obviously. But, you know, I've, I think I've seen him a couple of times, in maybe in Batman, here or there. But Batwing, I don't recall seeing at all in, what, like, two years? Yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. Uh, I... You know, it, it made them feel like a cool presence here, and it made me excited the idea that we're going to get a run that might actually establish him as a character that many of us really grow to care about, because I, I don't know if that's really been there. And I, I know if people, some people read, like, the New 52 Batwing series. I never did. It didn't seem that interesting at the time. I did. It, it, it was okay. It was fine. It, it, you know, it could have been literally any other hero. It didn't have to be yeah. tied to Batman. I, like, I, it could have been a solo story, and it still would have worked. I guess what yeah. I'm saying is, is I, I'm loving the idea that this may really establish him as a is a proper legacy character that we, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we then think of as one of the main characters who and could I, take over for Batman I someday. I think it's or pretty something. telling that we had him as a main character in the Bat family in Detective Comics for what two, two and a half years, whatever mm-hmm. that was, and 
We just haven't seen him since. No one picked up on it. No, no. one was like, oh, well, we should have Batwing yeah. around. There was just nothing. And that, and that kind of, if generations had gone through and he's the current Batman, then I feel like that was the, the play, right? Like, yeah. Because no one, no one's doing anything with him. Why not? You know. Um, but here it feels like there's definitely the the Fox family is taking a new precedent, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so police show up though, because uh, there's a moment here where Lucius has a gun aimed at his son in the suit, and I think the implication here is that the you know the effect of the Joker gas that he received is still play yeah, with his mind on him because he, he's wearing sunglasses all issue um yeah. the hood up to you know, cover it but you know we do see him at the start and there is a bit of a a mad glint his lips are a little bit red like just a just a mm-hmm. hint of a grin mm-hmm. um i do actually think you know uh Koypel is the artist on this i think Koypel is fantastic as a rule um i do think his loose just looks a little bit young yeah i think um, that's i think that's fair yeah but it, that's my only real critique with the art here i think everything else looks great i just think lucius looks a little bit young at times yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't help as well that his son's much taller than him so like yeah like it makes sense that you know luke's a big imposing figure i think he comes from a sports background yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's part yeah. of his backstory um it makes sense that he's built that way and lucius is is a smaller man that's yeah. fine well yeah but, but the, 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 as old as he's traditionally portrayed yeah but the point i'm making is that because he looks younger and now he looks smaller than his son he feels more like a little brother than he does his father. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. Uh, obviously, lots of people grow up to be tall in their parents. So that's really not what I'm arguing against here. Not me. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize to all the short arses of the world who felt triggered yeah. by that comment. <laughs> that's all you should. Apology not accepted. <laughs> <laughs> you can only go on the right if you're Yebek Ma, okay? Hey, I haven't had that problem since, like, 6th grade. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but you stopped growing at 6th grade. Most people... <laughs> most, most people keep going for a bit. Hey, I'm only 5'6". Come on, now. <laughs> I'm not that short. Like, I'm short, yeah, I'm but not that like short. I'm like, 5'8", 5'9". I'm around yeah. the, the cusp between them. Yeah, so... Which is about average. Uh, trying to see about yeah. Luke Fox. Oh, boy. Also in Batgirl 45, Luke Fox began a romantic relationship with Barbara Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you're just listening to this review, you didn't listen to our Three Jokers review, I recommend going back and get the context for why we're laughing at that. Um, I'm just trying to see what his history is, and it doesn't, like, it just gives his, like, character history, not in the comics, but yeah, I'm sure he was a, you know, a standout athlete. At some point. Mm. Yeah, I feel mm. like he was like... he's He's got the quarterback figure, hasn't he? Mm. That they t- well, I mean, basketball, he could have played any sport the size he is. Like That's true. Uh, yeah. Brick yeah. Shithouse. So just to bring us back to the issue, though, we have a big kind of, you know, a big social commentary moment where the police show up, uh, which Luke called them, and there's a standoff because Lucius is holding this gun and the, the guy's ready to fire, and he's, he's yelling that he's going to fire at him. And it's just, you know, it's when, it's when they run out and Luke says, I'm the one who called you, and they can't de-escalate the situation. Um, but, you know, it's hard not to see the, the political current climate in these pages mm-hmm. that this police officer, uh, you know, threatened to shoot Lucius. It's this, you know, it's this there on the page. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's clearly setting up that we're going to have the family dynamic. It's clearly setting up that we're going to have these these supporting characters be big facets of the, of the story. And I think also the idea that politics are going to come into it. It's not going to shy away from these things. Not that I'm surprised at that from John Ridley, uh, by no means. Yeah, no, not not at all. But yeah, it's to be expected, right? Yeah. Uh huh. So, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, I would agree that, that this is probably one of the weaker ones, only in the sense that it, it doesn't do much as a story on its own uh compared to some of the others but um i am I, it's made me excited for the run though like i'm looking forward to the story mm. I'm, yeah. ex- I'm excited to be excited about batwing i suppose <laughs> i'll put it that way yeah I, I always liked him and i i didn't know if that was just tying in right uh but him him almost as like the tony stark analog who had all of this you know the technology doing the heavy lifting for him he was kind of cocky and it's just, it really fit in with the Bat family really well. Well, I, I think that was the thing that stuck out to me here, is that his big moment here where the gauntlet comes up and then you turn the page and he's in full, full armor. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know if he ever quite got moments like that in that detective run where, you know, yeah, I liked him well enough, but this made him feel like a big deal. This made him feel like a star. Yeah, and, and yeah. The, the Iron Man comparison is apt. I think that's kind of always been the intention, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because obviously people compare Batman and Iron Man anyway, just, you know, okay, no powers rich, oh. buy the suit everything yeah but this is even more direct in that no it's the you know mechanicalized suit yeah so uh real quick i just found his his history he was a mixed martial artist before uh, okay. so oh, so yeah so that's, that's and, that, and that, that counts fits, right but that also fits in with you know him joining the bat family and being able to take care of himself mm. you know it's not just sports it's you know he's a combatant so, uh, and he apparently went to MIT. Now, speaking so. of combatants, Henchmaster, going out of the next story. Oh. Uh, Henchmaster, this is a, even before we get to what this story is actually about and the characters that obviously I want to talk about, the idea mm-hmm. that there's someone out there who will take in people who want to become a henchman and train them in the different ways that different supervillains in Gotham would want henchmen. So, I'll train you to be a Riddler henchman or a Penguin henchman or a Joker henchman. That's hilarious Pete, to I don't me. Wanna... Bust your bubble, but that's Taskmaster over at Marvel. Um, yeah, but that's Marvel. I don't know about Marvel. Yeah, Leave me alone. Okay, I'm just, I'm just telling you that this is. I feel like this is what this character was. I don't want to say ripping off, but paying homage to. But in, in, in that, not visually, at least though. No. Yeah. All right, he's but a big in, bulky dude with red gloves. Yeah, he, he, he looks like a Street Fighter character. He does. <laughs> he does. But yeah, it looks like him and Zangief would go for a go for a, a sandwich together or something. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> but and uh, and and a bite comes Cass and Steph, spoiler and orphan, and we get a little flashback explaining why they're here. Uh, I think Williamson, who wrote this story, gets the the dialogue here where Steph is a motor mouth, and then Cass will just respond with a quick sentence or a quick couple of yep. words here or there. It really gets the the vibe from them. Uh, but their whole idea is that they want to like give the city hope. So this is the middle of the Joker War, and they want to get the signal. But this, the main signal on top of the station is, is has been destroyed. So they want to get a signal and light in the sky. And and Steph's like, oh well, my dad had one in storage. You know, there's all these villains are there. We can go get it. Um. So it's them getting this, and the story ends with after some fighting with the henchmaster and all that. Is they're in the clock tower, and they're talking about how. They have to, the symbol's important, right? Because that's what the story ends up being called. It's called the symbol. And we find out, the final page is revealing that they have modified their outfits to carry that idea that the symbol is important. So Cass is basically, with a couple of slight modifications, just in her Batgirl outfit, 
Steph mm-hmm. is in kind of a, a hybrid of the spoiler suit and her Batgirl it's, suit. It's mostly the spoiler suit, just with a Bat logo slapped on it. Yeah. Um, well, well, no, because the, the stuff in the, the inside of the the, yeah. the, the torso... She that, has, she that... has the hood. This is very reminiscent of what she was wearing in Detective, mm. with, with the hood and the bottom part of the mask, so you can see her yeah. blonde Yeah, hair. yeah, the head's very spoiler, but I'd say the suit's more Batgirl than it is spoiler. No, it is. Yeah, because yeah. because you've got the uh the the, the you know the the bumpy kind of sides going down the suit. The, the, the yellow mm-hmm. highlights are missing, but it's definitely very Batgirl yeah. uh, with a spoiler sort of head on, if you will. Uh, which this is super exciting to me, honestly. Of course, Most I love this. Why wouldn't I love this? <laughs> I, I got there and go. I'm, I'm going to be able to hear Pete be excited when he gets to that last page. Oh, I, it's a glorious visual. Oh, it's very cartoony art. Uh, David uh, Lafiente is uh is the artist on this, uh, and. I will happily take a Stefan, you know, a Stefan Cass book with this this team. Give it to me. I'll read it. I uh, I, I don't love the art in this, if I'm honest. Um, I think it's. I don't okay. either, but it fits. Um, it's a little bit lighter, you I, know, uh, compared to some of the other stuff that are I in this. I really book. like the colors. I will say that I love the way the colors pop. I mean, that's um, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. There's some of the art. I think it's a little bit over exaggerated for me in 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 this story and and maybe it's part of uh maybe in like a, a standalone hypothetical batgirls book this wouldn't bother me as much and maybe it's just in amongst all the other art in this issue it sticks out as being the very different one and that's why it's bothering me a bit uh but i didn't love it here uh, it's, it's not, not totally my thing but it fits williamson's style here you know everything's kind of cartoony even henchmaster Mm. Like, like I, I don't want to imagine what Gilla March does. To this <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Mm. So, uh, you know. I, I think they are suits the personalities of the characters, and it should be a mm-hmm. more bubbly book. Um, and I'm hoping that this this costume change will be reflected when we see them next in Batman, maybe 100 even soon. Yeah, that this is something cool. that they've thought out and they know is coming. I will say just on the costumes themselves, and again, I don't know if this is just the the this particular artist's rendition. I'm not massively keen on uh, Cass's goggles. Uh, sure. I mean, I like them well enough, but sure. I, just I think a little it's bit... fine compared to the usual just black nothing. No, they just there. look a little bit bulky and off to me. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm nitpicking here because it's a new suit. That's what we do with new suits, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that, that's really the only change from a classic suit when you really think of it. I mean, I mean, unless I got an image up and started comparing tiny, tiny details. I mean, it's, there's it's, probably. I feel like there was a touch more color, uh, like a touch more on, on the cape, maybe before, like a trim somewhere. But I could be just misremembering. Yeah. Uh, no. It's pretty close, and it is just the goggles that feel a bit bulky to me. But I mean, it's not bad. I don't hate it. Well, I love this, so I don't care what yeah. color things. <laughs> You never care what I think, whether you love it or hate it. That's true. It's just, you know, pointless sentiment. Um, yes. Okay. Well, I guess I'm saying that to shut you up, so I could just say once again, I love this, and we can yeah. we can move on with the lives because we got Batgirl, uh, Cass and Batgirl Steph in their outfits, and you don't have to be called Batgirls necessarily. I'm okay. I mean, if they want to still be called Spoiler and Orphan, whatever. Like, you know, uh, Orphan's Although, still kind of a weird name, admittedly, but whatever. Her dress is a Batgirl. So, like, hmm. it's hard it's, for just, you know, like... It's weird, because you, you could go down the path of, okay, Babs is retiring being Batgirl, if, if that was the story they wanted to take for whatever reason. 
And then, but who, who do you choose to be Batgirl out of these two? Who gets to pick? You know, both. Why not both? No problem. Uh, I don't know. Spoiler still works. I feel like Cass can, uh, can wear the mantle. I, I, I don't even mean from an external perspective, DC marketing perspective. I mean, how do the characters decide, well, I get to be Batgirl? And, and I think having two Batgirls at the same time is confusing. There's a reason there's usually not more than one Robin at the same time. Um, why, why is this a debate now when every single time I've talked about how there can be three Batgirls at once, this has never came up before? I mean, I, I'm sure because I've you like something, before, but... Pete, and he's got a crush <laughs> for you. Yeah, he has, no, has to try. No, and and uh, whenever we've talked about the three bad girls before, we've meant in spirit. I don't think we, I didn't I didn't realize you literally meant all three would be Batgirl at the same time. I wasn't fussed yes, if they didn't wear, if they were or they weren't, yeah. but I totally think they can be. I don't think it's a problem at all. Uh, but I mean, all I they... know is I I'll take Cass being Batgirl over Black Bat, and I always thought that was a lame name. Oh, sure. with Red Robin. You know what this I mean? is going in such a weird way. I was ready to move on, but Carter's making this a weird yeah. debate about uh, like who gets I the just, mantle. I don't I think. Just, I, I don't I even feel think like you can't have them all you know? Batgirl if they're in the field and you're on the comms. Oh, you for, 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 forget that for a minute, right? Who even says Babs is high up the cape? Like this is not about ha- passing the mantle. This is about both of them reclaiming the 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 idea of the symbol and using it. And like, doesn't matter. I just meant hypothetically. It was, it was a hypothetical question about uh, the name, not the symbol. Yeah, oh, I, I hope they're all called Batgirl just to annoy Connor. I, honestly, at this point, I will take that. Batgirl A, B, and C. Oh my god, it's not that confusing. It really isn't. Uh, I, I'm more upset that there's a, a, a Cass and a Cassie over in Young Justice. That That's more, like, those two characters came out around the same time. That is confusing as well. Mm-hmm. I'll agree like, with that. No, that's so confusing. It's just like, come on, guys. Like, like imagine that, that Roy Harper was also a, a Richard Harper, and then you had Dick and Rick running around. Like, you have Cass and Cassie. Like, come on. All right. We have to move on, though, to the worst story in the book. So let's talk oh, about... Oh, how dare you? <laughs> let's talk about the Poison Ivy story. <laughs> I feel like that was supposed to be aimed at annoying me a little uh, bit after that last... Uh exchange but honestly that, there, so. honestly that was not about annoying anyone i just genuinely don't like this one that much but <laughs> oh, what's wrong with you i loved it and i also this don't is... get because poison ivy like kills several people here and i feel like after you know the last couple of years the whole controversy of her killing a bunch of people and and batman yeah okay this is where i think me and matt need to fill pete in on some poison yep. ivy history in the last couple of years um oh, this is mainly from the harley and ivy book that was uh, and the aftermath of heroes in crisis there's actually two ivies right now mm-hmm. ivy was kind of split in two essentially when she regrew well, she, she reabsorbed her <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, you know, th- there was two you know where okay there was the the good one which was you know basically you know harley's girlfriend and then you had the one that was pure eco-terrorist and they right. kind of melded, but it's still mainly the, the evil one. Or back, so, back to roots sort of thing. I had yeah, no I, idea I there was two <laughs> points that I was so, running around. No, because there's, there's not now. So the whole point at the end... No, but, uh, but, but I mean, at any point, though, Matt. I, I had no well, idea they, there was... At any yeah, point, well, there was you two... You didn't listen to when we, were, when we were talking about it. Of course uh, not! Yeah. Why, why would I listen to you two yeah, when you're yeah. talking about some book I don't read? Yeah. So, so here, I, I do like here that the people she does kill are Joker... You know, people, right? It's part of the Joker War. I, I can go with that. She tries to teach a lesson. Um, the whole Queen Ivy thing, I really get behind. Um, 
Yeah. But this is just like like Connor said, and I know the pun was intended, but it is a return to her roots of, hey, this world's screwed up. Um, like, I I'm gonna try to fix it, and if that means you know killing a few humans or a dozen, then so okay. be it. And and I do like that that this writer uh, Sam Johns, which I thought was a, I was like, oh man, that, that that's Jeff Johns under a pseudonym, right? It is not. It's a pretty poor um, pseudonym if it was. Yeah, right. Um, but this this is someone that Tynan is kind of like, you know how Snyder, you know, yeah. brought him along. This is what what Tynan's doing with Sam Johns, and because uh, I had to look up to see what else they've worked on, and it's a lot of stuff with Tynan. Um, and I feel they have a handle on Ivy, you know, um, and and what her wants and needs are going forward into twenty twenty one. You know, uh, a return to form and her wearing a cool crown of thorns. I, I like of. everything that's in this. Yeah, I like what we're doing with Ivy. I, I think I preferred good Ivy, so to mm -hmm. speak, or Ivy well, so with I. Harley is, is definitely you know, peak Ivy. Um, but I'm getting that in the Harley Quinn show, so I'm kind of satisfied there, there for well, the time I, being. I feel there's still room for that because I feel like there is room for her to be like, okay, well, I hate all humans except for Harley. Uh, yeah, I can't wait till we get back to it, it, the, the the inevitable part of the, the this story when it happens Apple? next year will be the encounter when Harley tries to talk her down and seeing that reaction. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. And, and I feel I like this development more than that, you know, that real, to me, the I would say the biggest low point for me, at least in the King run of that weird Ivy story that yeah. set her up to, to crisis. Um, but no, I, I like this here, her basically bringing vengeance and uh, I think, you know stuff has to be burned down to regrow I think that I, is poison ivy i get a lot out of this um i you know partly because i was like what the hell is this characterization i didn't i didn't just because clearly i've just not been in the look with poison ivy recently but i felt this was like a much weaker version of the bane story and it was essentially someone being like okay i need to go out and prove myself and go do you know i no, i i don't really feel that's there. Well, that's what it felt like to me, though. I'm saying what it felt like to me as I was reading that. And when it got to the end and it just said to be continued in 2021, I'm like, what did you give me there other than she's mad and she's coming? Like, there was nothing... Uh, no, I yeah. will agree with that. That is my biggest complaint. This is kind of what I got at the start. That a lot of these aren't really stories. They're setups. No. And um, this is one that I think is a good example of that. Uh, but I think the, the key difference between this and the Bane one, at least the way I've read it, is Bane, it's a very personal wanting to prove himself. You know, it's like I can be the the, the big bad. Whereas Ivy is on a, a mission. It's not a personal thing that, oh, I'm going to do the right, you know, I'm going to prove myself to be the evil thing. It's, no, I'm going to, as she sees it, save the world. I'm not saying it's, exact, I'm not saying it's exactly the same thing, but what you just described is why I like the Bane one more. It was more interesting to me because it was this personal thing. I, it was this thing I, to prove I himself. I think it comes down to how much you like Ivy. And if you're down with Ivy... And, you know, with, with me, it's it's always the how is she a villain in 2020 as half the West Coast is on fire still. Australia was burning early in the year, you know, like in here, she's almost she sells an antihero, but she's on the other edge of it. Whereas Harley's on that edge of I want to be good. Right. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to Ivy's be the hero fine. versus Ivy going. All right. You guys are messing things up. And she she says it clear in here about. I tried giving the world paradise, and now the only choice I have left is to raise hell. She's like, I've tried to play nice, but you, they came in here, 
they burned Eden down. So now I have to do what I have to do. Uh, and yeah. I liked yeah. it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I also know I'm a self parody. And <laughs> I, uh, I also really like Laura Brother's like art. Um, have we seen mm-hmm. Laura Brother on, on Ivy before? Because it feels really familiar. Uh, I don't know I, if she's. I feel we have. Let me check because I'm sure uh, I've looked this up before. I know I've read a, you know, something with her art on somewhere because it's too familiar not to. And I know the name. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you where. It, it wasn't the Harley Ivy mini because that was all. No, that was uh, Lupacino. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly where it was, but it feels familiar enough. Maybe it was in one of the other anthology things that we've had in the past. Um, but enough that I, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm down for this. I'd be down for, um, you know, I don't know if this is just going to be a story in Batman or in, in another book or if we've got a mini coming up or what, um, but um, I'm looking forward to the story at some did, point. Did you read Cycles of Life and Death? I did, yes. Okay. So if, if, it, if we're going to get another mini that's akin to that, okay. I mean, then it doesn't take up Batman. Tynan, although maybe this is with with Sam Johns doing this, it makes me think it's something from Tynan because they are so close. That would make sense, you know? yeah. But uh, here we go, Laura Braga, DC. Yeah. Um, I actually did quite it. like that uh, Cycle of Life and Death mini. I thought it was so pretty solid. Well, and it, it set the stage it, for a lot of where we took Ivy for the next like five years or so. Well, yeah, and it and it really did play with her in you know having this motherhood to her that wasn't what we thought it, it kind of took the traditional um mother earth role right and made right. it more literal uh mm-hmm. which was kind of fun uh, i did enjoy that and i'd still recommend checking it out for anyone who's interested just be aware that the continuity of it is a good few years ago now it's, but it's clayman art and it's not you know sketchy clayman art that we kind of got in yeah parts of here's a crisis it's really really good really well mm-hmm. so yeah, let's see forever. Okay, so you know Laura Braga from Bombshells. Ah, uh, that'll be it. And she's definitely drawn and Ivy in Bombshells. So. Ivy and in I uh Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica, which I read the first two issues of. Um, and it was it was phenomenal. She's and no stranger to, to Ivy then. Deceased a good day to die, number one. Uh Wonder Woman fifty one. So yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Makes sense. It's all over then. I right. like it. For the love of God, next let's story. Get, let's get back to a good story, shall we? Uh, so uh, not this one. Uh, no, this one's good. This is Jim Stokoe art uh, with uh, I, uh I think the story is just kind of okay. Uh, I mean, it's not. Really, I mean, it's, uh, this is unlike the other ones. This isn't so much of a setup as it is just like a little clown hunter story to show the effect he's having on the city, which I did kind of like about it. I, I liked that it was like Joker sending out a, a mob squad as clowns to take on the clown hunter. Um, what was it Snap, Crackle, Pop, and Big Ed? I think were the the four characters, and yeah. basically the clown hunters like set a trap, and it felt like a, it felt like Judge Dredd meets Mad Max, and the art kind of, you know, bit in the middle of Gotham, right? <laughs> That's kind of the vibe I was getting from it. Um, Stoko is something else, isn't he? Yeah, Stoko is a really specific art style. Uh, it really spoke to me, and I think made the story much better. So yes, despite Matt's reaction, I did think this was. I don't. Miles, I don't like the art. Miles it's better than the Ivy story. Miles better. Nah. I don't like I, Clown Hunter either. I think Clown Hunter is everything I don't like about Batman, and it's it's Red Hood adjacent. And I, I don't like care that that's it. the point. At least I'm assuming he's yeah. very much unsanctioned, right? And just he, he, yeah. he, I think the point with Clown Hunter is he's misunderstood what Batman is, uh, and I think that's probably going to be part of the story that we have next. Oh, for I don't sure. think so. I think he fully understands what Batman is, and he's taking the Red Hood track, but 
because he wasn't a Robin, he can get away with using a battering to murder people. And <laughs> I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, the whole idea of Clown Hunter, I guess this was supposed to be his really first appearance. That you're supposed to get like shades of him in Batman um, in the main book. And then this, but then like, something happened. I think maybe with all the uh, delays. I think they're kind no, of. I, I thought... put it in his, his newsletter. It was yeah. just that um, the way people reacted to Punchline being introduced like an mm -hmm. arc early, just in snippets. Uh, was so yeah. positive that he decided just to try that with Clown Hunter. Yeah, again, I, I think I like how the mystique of Clown Hunter has been built up. We were just getting little signs of him. We've been hearing in Batman that he's pissing off Punchline, that they're losing people because of someone out there hunting clowns. And then getting this story here that kind of shows him working in full swing, no pun intended. Um, you know, and we get like a little tease here that, you know, his parents presumably were murdered in a Joker attack of some kind, and that's why he's become who he is. Um, yeah. But no, I, I enjoyed this story. I I think this story is a more complete story than the Ivy one. This is the second mm -hmm. one that I felt like a proper... Like, I had an actual point as a story. Mm -hmm. um, I think the art, I might like it a little bit better. It's kind of... They're so different, they're hard to compare. I love Stokoe's Gotham, though. Like, yeah. that, that, that first page is phenomenal, the detail he and does. And, of course, the other level. big detail here is that there's literally support for him on the streets. Like, we see people in the apartments on the cheering, street cheering yeah. for him because of what, what he's doing. What I will say, though, is... I think I'm more excited for the the the, the follow-up to the Ivy story than I am the follow-up to this. So. Yeah, well, this one felt less like a tease to me, even though I presume there'll be more of a Clown Hunter-focused story after Joker War. It's the next arc. Yeah. yeah, I do think this is more about... This is the one that, out of all the stories that felt more of a tie-in to the actual event to me, or the actual story, yeah. because this feels like, hey, here's a big part of the, the mythology and the context going on right now because I, of Joker War, which is going to lead into another story afterwards, of I course. Am. But I it's actually the Ivy one was kind of like that as well. Like it was all to do with the you know this was the follow up to what happened with you know Batman and Harley in 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 Eden, right? Uh, yeah, with all that stuff in the last few issues. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, but even then, it's a looser tie-in than this is because we've is. seen Clown Hunter terrorizing Joker, basically, you know, or his forces at least. And I think the big thing um, that makes this feel like more of a tie-in to me, apart from just the character inclusion, is that. This is what the city's like right now because of Joker War. So this this actually has value beyond just Clown Hunter himself, is to see just how much of a messed up place the city is as a whole, or the Narrows at least is, because of Joker War. So yeah. it, it adds a bit of context for even just the main story, getting into the, the big finale, uh, Show 100. So, uh, so no. And honestly, this may... <sighs> Where do I rank this in terms of the stories in the book? I mean, obviously, from a personal point of view, I love the, the Cass and Steph thing. And this may be overall my favorite story in the book, though. So, Matt's reaction when I said I like this more than the Ivy one was quite funny to me. But well, yeah, I don't, because I don't I'm think not... it surprised me that you liked it more than the Ivy no. one. Uh, and I don't think I would blame anyone for liking it more, given that it is a more complete story. Yeah. Um, I just don't like Clown Hunter, and I, I don't like this art that much. Like, it's too, it's just that, not I, that my I don't thing. Oh, oh, Jim Stoker's uh, great. Yeah. Stoker's Sto Sto his, his alien mini was phenomenal. Um, oh, that was something special. Yeah. This is wonderful stuff. Uh, but that is the uh, the final uh, story in the book, so I guess we're at the point where we can rate the book as a whole. Uh, I think this is a pretty good collection, mostly of prologues to things that are coming up in the Bat family in 2021. How you judge that as a sort of satisfying book to buy, you know, even just compared to say the the the, the tie-in issue we just had, although that wasn't an mythology because I suppose, but some of the earlier ones were. 
Um, I don't know. It's, that's a hard thing to judge. I guess you just have to go with your gut instinct. So, Matt, what are you, what are you giving uh, Warzone so, like, out of 10? There's certain, there's certain stories that I'd, I'd want to give higher. I mean, it's pretty good. I'll, I'll give this a 7.5. Like, because I, I like the Bane story, but the art was... Uh, but I really like the Batgirls story, and of course I like the Ivy one. Um, but yeah, but it's kind of... I mean, it's like how Mark Arch... Or kill him. March art, there we go. Um, but yeah. All right, Connor. Uh, I'm gonna give it a six point five. I think it's like none of the stories are bad. Some of them are pretty good, but ultimately I felt a little bit uh, underwhelmed, dissatisfied. I guess that I didn't get enough of a of a story out of the issue. It was very much just teases and setups, and uh, for the most part, and, and while some of those were enjoyable enough, I didn't really get enough out of this for what it was to be a quote-unquote good issue which is kind of the, the benchmark for the seven for me yeah it's a weird one to rate because of what it is but i think i'll judge it slightly differently in the sense that it's it's more kind of a, a collection of trailers for stuff coming up later mm-hmm. um and i think as that is pretty good um it's I, kind I, of weird though that you have to pay for all your trailers isn't it yeah, I mean, I know you're going to pick a part of that, but I still think this is more valid than like I, you know, I don't think it should have been a collection of different three different story, you know, th- three stories that they give out like free comic book day stuff. Um, I, I think this is fine to charge for this. This, this, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I probably give it an eight. I think I really love what the story does with Bane, even though the art's not very good. I love the Batgirl stuff, obviously. I love the last story. I think the Ridley setup is good. Uh, with really good art, uh, even if it wasn't satisfying on its own. Um, the only one I didn't like was the Ivy one. I didn't get, I didn't get anything from that story whatsoever. I, I basically was just kind of reading it without barely taking any information in for like, you know, eight pages because it, it meant nothing to me. Feel Matt's rage. Uh, <laughs> there's just so much green and so much veins uh, you know, on pages. Yeah, there's a lot of art, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ivy's great. Yep. Oh dear. Uh, uh, which is funny because typically with a swamp thing, I'm okay with it. Something, something about Ivy's version of the the greenery. Because you hate gingers, we all know this. It's fine. I don't hate gingers. I, don't, I love Babs. We've been talking about Babs like repeatedly in this. Yeah, you like Babs. You don't like gingers. It's different. But I love MG from Spider Man. Uh, love Wally West. Anyways, plenty of gingers that I love. Not Connor, obviously, Connor? but pl- plenty of gingers. Yeah. <laughs> plenty. <laughs> All right, Wonder Woman seven six three Mariko Tamaki writing with Carlo Barbary on the art. And do you know what? This gets points for being the only issue outside of my Patreon books this week that I read that wasn't uh, oversized. That was just a regular that was page count. Such a quick read in comparison. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, oh, it's done. Yes, yeah, so this was a weird feeling. Um, but obviously, we ended the last issue with the cliffhanger of uh, Liar Liar revealing herself. And this issue gives a more context that Max Lord at least seemingly doesn't know who she is or never knew about her. And that she, either the first time with her abilities or certainly one of her early uses of her abilities, killed her own mother by making her run into mm-hmm. a, a truck on the road. And basically, she's upset that Max doesn't really want to claim her. And Max yeah. actually ends up helping Wonder Woman by kind of like almost defending her from her abilities while Wonder Woman's like right. fighting she blocks the others. It. Yeah. Or he blocks it for her so she can't hear what Liar Liar is saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So we see, you know, they literally have blood on the bunny in the flashback, actually. I just got to mm-hmm. that page. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, she actually uses her powers to turn her, her, her bunnies, like, magical and turns into this giant demonic-looking spirit bunny thing, which is, honestly, you know, we, we were, uh, you know, very, very, I don't want to say hit and miss. That's maybe a bit harsh, but we weren't necessarily always complimentary of Burberry's art. We, we, we had some... Mm-hmm some downsides to it. Uh, I do think the two-page spread where it's behind Wonder Woman and she's not noticed it yet is quite pretty. I still don't really like Barbary's Wonder Woman, even on that page, uh, which is a little bit of a problem in a Wonder Woman book, I guess. Uh, but I do really like the design of the, the, the bunny thing. Mm. Uh, so, you know, and it is like, look out behind you and it's this, this big thing. Uh, but like I say, Max sort of defends Wonder Woman from Liar Liar's powers and they're able to kind of deal with it and, and, you know, take her into custody. Um, which is kind of fun, because I think what this successfully did was sort of show how dangerous she is, but she kind of just, like, came in full, full force here without much of a plan, and it was only because Maxwell Lord was able to kind of, like, neutralize her powers they were able to take her down. I think what this successfully does is that it means that at some point later in this run, she is going to be on the loose, and she's going to be smarter about it, and therefore she's going to be way more dangerous. Would be my my guess. Yeah, I have to. Admit, I'm a little yeah. underwhelmed um, with Liar Liar. Like, I, I didn't, you know, didn't think she was actually that compelling at any point. And, no, and it was, it's, it's the modern Wonder Woman villain to where she's almost too sympathetic because Diana's going to try to help her you know it's kind of like why airy even aries has been redeemed at this point like i i need some wonder woman characters that can just be evil at a certain point and diana's fine with with battling them and not trying to redeem them that's why i'm yeah that's why i'm hoping there's a, a heel turn coming with max like i want there because he you know liar liar shows that reality where however she got to it where max remembers that one of them snapped his neck and yeah yeah that's, that's definitely going to be something in his mind you know, going forward because it sets up at the end that he's going to carry on working with them yeah that's the big right. plot that's the big plot point of the issue is that when the source wall fell that she saw this this you know this version of the past where right. wonder woman snapped his neck and tells max about it and he sees glimpses of it here um also the funny little beat that Wonder Woman's keeping the rabbit because the rabbit gave her an earful yeah. when she tried to get rid of it. <laughs> Which I do like that. It's a little um, touch. But I also like when Diana, you know, as much as I complained about her, you know, always being empathetic towards towards her villains, her saying that she kind of understands where Liar Liar's coming from because of how she grew up mm-hmm. to be in that shadow, you know, her mother's Apollo and her dad Zeus. And, you know, she was raised to be great, you know, and then she had to leave. And, like, there's always this pressure to live up to what you're supposed to. And also, even just before that, there's the idea that she was lied to about her parents, about her father, yeah, about her, 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 you know, her, her birth and her upbringing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she, she relates to her in a, a lot of ways, and, you know, maybe, maybe that's the, the trick here, is that they're kind of like toying us with the idea that Maxwell Lord's an uneasy ally and that Liar mm-hmm. Liar's a villain, but it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of this, Wonder Woman redeems Liar Liar and Maxwell Lord is like the biggest, baddest villain that he's ever been. Yeah, and, and I feel like Diana does need that, and it's probably no, you know, coincidence that eventually when we get around to seeing Wonder Woman 84, you know, like, there's always Cheetah, right? That's, 
she tries to redeem her, but she's always there. It, it never lasts, yeah. But it never lasts. But, like, the fact that we'll get a, a, an evil Max Lord by the time that movie comes out, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I did um, laugh because the adverts in the back of the issues mm-hmm. this yeah. week are, can't wait for the movie, read these graphic novels now to do yeah. with the well, you've got, and I'm like, you've got player time. time to get yeah, you got yeah. player time to read every single well, one just, in that ad. Right now, they're claiming Christmas Day, I think they're saying, is the release date right now. We'll um, see, we'll see. I'll be surprised. I'll give this an eight. I think it's pretty solid, and the Barbie area art wasn't as over the top as it was in the last issue. I think it fit in really well. So yeah, Connor, uh, give it a six. Or should do. I also give it an eight. I, I think the the run's been sailing pretty smoothly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like the the continuity that's been built here. I like the uneasy alliance with with Max Lord. I love the next snap kind of starting to factor into like what he knows about her and the tension that might kind of be simmering yeah. underneath the surface. Uh, all yeah, because Diana doesn't know that she snapped his neck. No, yeah. that, that that was a different her. Yeah. So so yeah. that stuff's fascinating. So it was also a really easy easy read that flowed very well. Yeah. So uh, there you go. That's Wonder Woman, which will take us on. Legion of Superheroes, issue 9. Mm-hmm. Brian Michael Bendis and 20 hours. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give or take. Um, some, some pretty good uh, heavy hitters, which I tried to talk Connor into reading this, based off of Gary Frank. He, he and... showed me one page. I didn't tell me what it was. I was like, is that Tula Lote? And I was like, oh, yeah. very nice. So I'll just, I'll just list some of the names we got here. We got David Marquez, Ryan Sook, Joe Quinones, Mike Grell, uh, Ivan Reese, Nick Darrington, James Heron, JRJR, Nicole Scott, uh, Art Adams, Jim Chung, which was very un-Jim Chung, Gary Frank, Tila Lote, Riley Rosmo, um, Jen Lun Yang, Kevin Nolan, Michael Fife, Jenny Frisian, uh, Manuela Lupacino, Ryan Sook, and Mitch Gerrits. Um, real heavy hitters of art. And the art, when it shows up, is, is really good. But there's some decisions here. So this is a continuation of the trial of the Legion where they're in trouble for basically existing and getting involved with Rimbor and, and the, the crab general. Nah, but like you have a character named monster boy, right? Uh, and you got Riley Rosmo. Why not have Riley Rosmo do the, the monster boy page? Well, instead we get Rosmo on, on triplicate girl and it's just doing that Kyle Rayner esque crab. It just, it didn't work for me on that one. Um, instead, who did the Monster Boy page? It was... Hold on. That's what I hate about the digital comics, is going back and forth. I'm trying to figure out what the page numbers because they don't line up exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Nick Darrington that did the, the Monster Boy page. You, you do like Darrington. Yeah, and it's fine, but I'm just thinking, you know, Rosmo. And anyways, but yeah, so... Just over the story, we get more origins of some of the Legion um, here. So, like, we see Monster Boy's um, audition to where, you know, they try to tell him, oh, we already have a a, a Morph and and Chameleon Boy. He's like, yeah, but mine's a little bit different um, in that I I support the idea of the Legion. And then you find out that some of the other members, despite not agreeing that the Legion should be there, they're still a part of it. So, like, that's how Wildfire ends up on the team is he's, you know, they realize that he's a, like, um, uh, not a wild card, but like a powerhouse. And they kind of want him on the team, even though he's kind of like, yeah, but 
I don't like the idea of this splitting the United Planets. But, you know, they welcome them on the team anyways. Um, there's a lot of reckoning uh, of um, the, the president, of President Bran, and kind of her moves. And you get the fact that she's never showed her true face to anybody outside of her son. So there's still some sneaky stuff going on there. But as the um, trial goes on, you kind of see that the the uh, the general from Rimbor is still upset that they they interceded. Then it's revealed that Dream Girl uh, has been having these these or Dreamer as they're calling her here uh, has had these visions and they're coming true. And that's where we get to the big thing that people were were losing their mind over this time is uh, she hints about a great darkness is coming and it's in, you know, kind of new gods font. And for those that are unaware, when it comes to uh, Legion history is there's a story of the original Legion called the great darkness saga. And it basically is, it keeps building to this big, bad, the, you know, the end of times type. And it turns out to be dark side, the dark side still, you know, hanging around, in their century and you know characters live and die and it's this big huge it's almost like a legion crisis before crisis um and it's this big deal so the the fact that dreamer is getting this that there's a great darkness coming no matter what happens between the united planets it's almost like the it kind of undercuts the legion's Stay that you know peace will bring it all, you know, and this kind of is like, well, how much does RJ Brand know about this? And this is what is putting, you know, the president's plans into effect. But uh, the, the great darkness coming is the page I shared with Connor because it's Chila Lote drawing Dreamer full on gold, like it's really beautiful. It is a gorgeous um, page. I can I can testify yeah. to that. And, and the page before that's Gary Frank and it's Dreamer standing up to the general um, and explaining about how her powers work is that uh, Brainiac's been recording her dreams and that's how they're able to see this. And even though like, wait, can you do that? Um, which is pretty good. But we also get Monel attacking the general and getting into trouble and flying off being, you know, super moody. Um, which starts to make me wonder if that he's a descendant of Connor Kent and not John, because you know the early early showings of Connor is he's very emo, mm. um, and a lot closer to Monel. Seeing Yang's art was was pretty cool. Um, it's very cartoony looking. I don't know if if anyone's familiar with it, um, but it's you know he does a nine panel grid and gets to play with a different character in each of them. So it's it's cool. I like to see Yang there. Uh, but yeah, it's... I don't want to say it's all over the place, but it still feels very disjointed. Um, but yeah, so towards the end, they end up, you know, getting the president to realize that the Legion does have a purpose and that um, the planet Rimbor is chaos and they kind of need... They need to be... Uh, reeled in for the good of the galaxy. Um, and that turns out that the Legion experiment is working. So then that leads John to the last page, which is done by Garrods. 
um, leads him to questioning, like, he's not supposed to be here. Like, he's not supposed to know about a lot of this happening. So why is he still here? Why are they allowing this? Uh, and, it, and it ends up with him and Imra kissing at the end. And she tells him that she doesn't have to hide his romantic thoughts. Uh, and it's, you know, it's the Garrett's page and it looks very Garrett's. There's a lot of lens flares. It looks fantastic. So if you do pick this up just for the art, it's just, there's a lot going on. And I almost wish this was just more, like I said last time, if these are little like interstitials of the Legion characters and a little bit more of their origins versus Ben just trying to tell a story, which kind of gets lost in all the different, you know, artist changes. Cause it took me a little bit to read this cause I kept having to go back. Cause when there's an artist that you don't quite recognize, like of course you get to JRJR and you know it and it's, you know, the wildfire page. And I like wildfire a lot, you know, so to have to see that I wasn't too thrilled. Um, but yeah, so you, you start with Marquez and you end with Garrett's and it's not that bad. So yeah. Pete, you ever going to catch up with this? Or are you done with Legion? I'm probably done. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I, I'm here for the long haul. I mean, there's, there's just, a great darkness. The long haul is probably only going to be another four or five issues, so don't worry about Maybe, it. Maybe, you know, it, it does make me wondering with John wondering what he's doing there and why it's still allowed this timey wiminess. Because the last couple you know, of issues I read were, I don't want to say a shorty read, but they were definitely kind of exhausting. You know, like they they, they are typically I was leaving them till the end of you know whatever my pile of books was. I'd get to the the Bendis Legion issue. It'd be a bunch of characters that he doesn't properly introduce. Every single week it would be, I've just got one book left, so I'll be, you know, I won't be, I'll be on time. And they'd be like, oh, it's Legion. Okay, never mind. We'll be 15 minutes late. <laughs> yep. That sounds about right. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I just, you know what? I, I'm not against Legion. I definitely, you know, the, the, the Patreon yeah. book that I read, the Talking Superman made me read, was definitely pretty good. I'm definitely not against yeah. reading some Legion stuff. I just don't think this particular Bendis book on Legion is the one to start me off properly there's, on it. There's almost, yeah, there's almost too much going on and he is pulling from different, you know, different eras and throwing them all into one. And again, I appreciate what's going on, but almost like Young Justice is too unfocused. Mm -hmm. This was, these last two issues were that in a nutshell. And I don't know if it's just the art or, you know, if we had one artist doing the, you know, the, the trial scenes and then the uh, other artists coming in and doing the introductions, if it would have helped, Honestly, there would have been some cohesion. That was always a pretty bad idea, right? It sounds yeah. great from marketing. Like, look at all these all-star yeah. artists we've got, but it yeah. doesn't make for a cohesive storytelling experience, it does it. it? And when you're, when you're me and you have to know who's art, right, when it doesn't pop, you know, I can't just let it go and just read it and go constantly back and flicking back and forth. To yeah, find out. like is this Lupacino? Yeah, it is Lupacino. You know, you know, because with some of the designs of the Legion characters, it it's not the same. It's not the Lupacino I'm used to. But yeah, um, so if I'm rating this, I'm gonna give it a seven because it's it's pretty good. It's just a bit, you know, uh, disassociative, I guess you can say, because it's all over the place and. But the art's good, like when it's good, but when it's, you know, not so good, you know, you got Rosmo, who I'm not particularly, like, it's not bad. And even the JRJ art, art's not bad, it's just, it, it stops you, because you're taking out that, oh, now it's this. And again, I will forgive him for not giving Monster Boy to Rosmo, who's like, that's like his thing, is these ghastly kind of images, 
Um, so yeah. All right. Did you read it? <laughs> I did. I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. Sorry. May have been some. Thanks for paying attention. <laughs> All right, all right. Justice League Annual Issue 2, Robert Venditti writing with Aaron Lopresti on the art. So this is obviously a, a, a one-shot story. It, can, well, it does actually have one small uh, tether to when it Venditti wrote Justice League. very much like mm. this would have been the next three-issue arc on his... Possibly, book. yeah. But obviously he uh, got taken off. Well, no, you know, he left before that, I should clarify. Yeah. That was always yeah. a little unfair there. Bit, bit disappointed in this. This is not the murder mystery I wanted it to be. This became something else entirely. Yeah, it starts off uh, as a murder mystery because it's this. There's a dead body lying in the, the hall of justice, and they're like, "Wait, how could this have happened?" I did like the small touch though when it's like given the mm-hmm. the introduction boxes for each character. It intentionally doesn't use their superhero names for any of them. Yep, it uses their real names. Yeah, and it does it all in the what they bring to the investigation, not yeah. the wall. This is their powers. It's forensic scientist. It's the intergalactic policeman. It's not Green Lantern and Flash. It's just specifically focusing on right. who they are. Uh, so, you know, and the crime scene stuff is is all right. They're looking around, but ultimately, the issue becomes more that the Hall of Justice has all these built-in defenses for all the, the various supervillains. So, there's there's built-in defenses should Zod ever show up, if Reverse Flash ever shows up. But obviously, these defenses also work on the Justice League because you know mm-hmm. Zod is just the same as Superman, and Reverse yeah, Flash is the like same as Flash. Oversight here. Yeah, uh, so they all start kicking in at basically the same time, and the 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 message of the story I don't dislike, which is because one of the early things that happens once this all kicks in is Barry says, "Hey, give me a batarang." Well, he says, "Give me a a boomerang first, but yeah, he get you get a batarang, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like, "Okay, we're going to use my vibration of a batarang, and then." John's going to use the Green Lantern ring to, like, you know, drive it into the wall. And the idea being that three of their, their techniques combined will solve a problem. And that's why ultimately they're going to win is because it's mm-hmm. them working as a team together, mixing and matching, not just being one of, you know, separate entities kind of thing. So, yeah. Right. Nice sentiment. Nice sentiment. Uh, and and I, I like the idea of all the defenses being essentially this Batman's way of sneaking in Tower of Babel defenses. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and, that, and that's... Like... Mm. Yeah, uh, it turns out to be Eradicator. That was the the ultimate uh, thing. It's Eradicator's head because because Eradicator was in one of the stories that Vendetti did in Justice League, and his head's sitting in the the lab or whatever. <laughs> and it's yeah, computer, and it's just they thought they had it contained, but clearly not. Yeah, uh, I will yeah. say them fighting the two robot drones in the middle was kind of fun, especially the moment, probably the moment of the issue for me was when John made two pipes out of his energy to redirect their blast to each other to destroy them uh, themselves. I thought that was, that was a really fun idea in visual. Yeah. It was a, a, an impressive use of the, the Green Lantern power, I thought. And did he really understand Green Lantern on that level? Like yeah, he does. And so. Especially this being, you know, okay, John thinks of it, you know, architecturally. Architect. Like, yeah. okay, how do I solve the puzzle here is how mm-hmm. he treats it rather than just make something to smash them. Right, which is what Guy or Hal would do. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know? and, and I love so, them for And I got a yeah. chuckle because they split up at one point Wonder Woman's with Batman and Flash, uh, Green Lantern and Superman together. And I did get a chuckle out of Barry yelling because all the Batmobiles start chasing them in the garage, but also there's a Supermobile and Barry yells at, why do you even need a Supermobile? You already fly. Yeah. It was it's a, a different, different time. time. It's a different yeah, time, Barry. I, <laughs> I love that. Now, Vendidi's real good. I just... I was sold on this being a murder mystery, and it gets away from that mm. very quickly to the Hall of Justice is attacking. 
you know, yeah, which... it quickly becomes uh, just the teamwork of yeah, uh, and it's rather fine. than the mystery. And I, I, I would, I would nothing even... wrong with that, but it's not the murder mystery in the Hollow no, Justice it's, I wanted. It's, it's not a murder mystery. I, I will say, I, I think it goes beyond fine and B's fun good stuff. It never yeah, rises above it, being fun and good stuff. Which, it's, yeah. it's not an important story. It's exactly on par with the rest of Endity's run. Which uh, is true. Yeah. It's, which is, yeah. in his defense here, I'm not knocking him, he no. aimed for that tone the entire yeah. time. It wasn't like he was trying to tell the, a big yeah. story and it was like, ah, it's, it's fun. He always aimed to do short, three, four issue, just fun stories. And this definitely just fits in with those. And it feels like this would have been just an arc coming up that he had, maybe if not the next one, the one after, yeah. um, that he'd obviously maybe started writing enough of that it was like, well, we can use this. But... I mean, it's, it's 50 pages. This could have easily been either two issues with a few extras added or three issues with a few things trimmed to make it fit mm-hmm. into this annual format. Like, Definitely. You know, yeah. That's all we'd have to do. Um, and it's full of fun little you know beats with them working together. You know Barry running in a circle with Superman's freeze breath to try and like create a hole because Superman needs to get to the sun because the, yep. the 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 Hall of Justice is went all red sun filter. Uh, depleted his his yeah. solar cells. So so but then we get the big moment where him and Wonder Woman are like you know carrying the Hall of Justice back down because Doomsday Protocol initiated, which is Doomsday is here, so let's go into the sky and blow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Them, yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun. The interactions between the team I really liked. Uh just yeah. the tone was fun. I, I I agree it's disappointing. It wasn't the, you know, like we I think we were expecting Agatha Christie murder mystery. Mm. Uh mm-hmm. you know, but with, with the Justice League. And it wasn't that, but and what it, it yeah, was was it tur- pretty fun. It turned out the victim was just like a fake clone that he'd put there to, to make them think it was a mystery. So even the even the answer to who the dead guy was was just kinda like, okay, just nothing. <laughs> Got yeah. a book. Call it a bit nonsense. Uh, I did like the ending where there's just like I talk about how you know they all work together and this is what the trend is, but then they realize it's only the four of them. Uh, and like, wait, where's Batman? And Batman's like putting the eradicator's head in like a sealed, it's almost like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like the it's big, very Raiders of yeah, the Lost Ark. He's the one like logging it and putting it away. And I just thought yep. that was kind of funny. Top yeah. men, you know, <laughs> and it. What, one of my favorite beats is actually right at the end, it's after they get the, the whole justice back down. And it's Superman just, you know, on the stairs, just, you know, whew, made it. Yeah, close mm-hmm. one. Uh, he doesn't even say anything. It's just all in his, his pose and just the, the breath of air that's coming out as he puffs his cheeks. I'm like, oh, that's great art, that, 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 that moment. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a fun time. It's a, it's a fun time. It's not a, a must-read by any means. It's one of these things where in a normal week five, I would say you should pick it up because there's, there's not a lot of books out. This is a fine one-and-done little fun Justice League yeah. story. What's weird is that this week five actually has a lot of other big books to buy, so maybe it's not essential reading. But if you like his Justice League stories, then maybe enjoy this too. So yeah, yeah, that's basically what. It, uh, and the arts, you know, solid. A little pressed, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. On well, part, the... yeah, yeah, it does all the leaguers pretty well. Yeah, it's bold. So... And, you know, it's very uh, old school, early mid two thousand style that he's got. Yeah, where everyone feels just a little chunky, not in a bad way, but they've got a chunkiness no. to them. Yeah, but not, not to the extent of the 90s. No. So, okay, yeah. Matt, what are you talking giving... about McGuinness. What are you giving the issue, Matt? Uh, I'm, I'm going to give this a 7.5. Phil Carter? Yeah, I, I actually also think McGuinness was a good comparison there, but uh, yes. I'm also going to agree with the 7.5. What's funny is the way Matt was talking about his disappointment, I thought he was going to rate the lowest out of his... No, no, and... it was still good. It wasn't the murder mystery. If I, if I had read this was 
Like in the solicits, they say, oh, the Hall of Justice turns on the Justice League. I'm like, oh, is it, I don't need to read that. Well, the point I was making but, is, I, is I'm giving this a straight seven because I thought, oh, yeah, it was fine. It was fun. It was good. And yeah. I feel like I was expecting Matt to be lower than me, given the way he was talking yeah, about no, it. No, 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 no. So. Matt's never lower than anyone. That's true. No. <laughs> Why rating is stupid. Except in height. Yes. As we've established. Batman Superman Annual Issue 1, Joshua Williamson writing with a trio of artists, Deal Eaglesham, Clayton Henry, and Gleb Melnikov. So this is a story where we see a couple of kids fighting over who would win the fight between Batman and Superman. And then it turns out the people looking after these kids are Batmite and Mixapitalik. And yeah. then it becomes... So I don't know if I audibly laughed as much this week as when I got to... Because it basically builds up what the premise of the book is. And when I get to the title page, it says, Freestyle Imp Battle. And I burst yep. out laughing. Yeah. This is a lot of fun, even though the story kind of was like, okay, it's the last book I had to read this week. So I was just kind of like, all right, let me get through it. It's an easy um, read, though, isn't it? It's a super yeah. easy read. Because I did laugh out loud when Mixie gets to tell his story on how Superman would be Batman. I just this is the internet personified. Kaboom! Sometimes. Oh yeah, no, I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's this, this whole thing was a uh, was an fu to Batman v Superman because the whole point is is yep. that Batman and Superman, or or even the Imps themselves, by the end are kind of like. The reason why this isn't working is that you keep having to come up with all these convoluted reasons to make us fight because we would never actually do this to the death. We never would. So I, you're having I to was... write around so many loopholes to get us to at yeah. this point. I like that even the villains, so to speak, that mm -hmm. Mixie and Batmite are, are very aware of this. And they're, they're mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, picking each other apart and like, just go with it, just go with it, just let me have this one. I just, I love uh, it. Yeah. Freestyle free Imbel. So Batmite tells his story first, which is... And this is where the different artists obviously come into it, is that when they're telling yeah. the stories, you get different artists. And and then there's the impression that when they tell these stories, they are actually changing reality. It's not just a story. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. It is physically impacting reality and doing a typical... Yeah, so this, this one's called Superman, Whatever Happened to the Man Who Destroyed Everything. And it's basically that Superman, for some random... And again, it's made it feel random, right? Is that randomly the universe just starts falling apart because Superman exists. <laughs> so it's, the whole point being is that Batman realizes this... And Batman has to take on Superman. So we get to this thing, to, to the point where like Batman's like, I've got so many ways to like take you down. And there's like a montage page where it's like, red sun weapons, mecha battle, mecha battle bat armor, magic, magic. doomsday formula. Doomsday. <laughs> We've got a tank made out of kryptonite <laughs> and just, well, just ridiculous and I love, shit. I love on the doomsday formula page, he goes, 10 of those can finish off Superman, Batmite. Wait your turn. Yes, and then, my story. and then he pulls out a trigger. He's like, "Okay, here we go, the ultimate weapon," and he turns the sun red. <laughs> yeah, it's just the like, most... this was my ultimate contingency plan. I, I launched so satellites years ago to do this, and now you're only human. And, and I love they end... both fall to their death. Yeah, the end of the story is like because because Superman's got him in the air, they both fall to their death through all these red clouds, and he's just like Batman wins, lol. And then Mixie's like, "Wait, Batman dies too? That's not winning." <laughs> Like, who cares it's cool it's like, yeah, what, what the red sun does to the entire world it's like eh not the point yeah so then Mixie tells his story which is Batman and the Dark Knight dies just before we get into yeah. that this is where okay some of the it's been a little bit meta before this but this yeah. is where it gets a bit more direct whereas like look it's only 13 pages but I was going for a, a, a <laughs> event level storytelling yeah. yeah so then he's like okay the Dark Knight Batman dies and 
it's just Superman punching him in the chest. He's like, all right, boom, done. And that's, <laughs> that's the whole story. And then, and then you have Batman going, oh, oh, see. He's like, what? what? You're out of character. Superman would never just do that just because. It's like, you've got to give him a reason. Says who? Says they. Yeah. Uh, who's they? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, who's they? Yes. And, Internet. And like, Look, I don't <laughs> care about reasons, but I want to see them fight for 11 pages, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, they have a whole fight. I, I do actually love this where. They're in the Batcave, and Batman yells out, you know, Batcave authorized anti-Boy Scout, right? Just like kind of the Justice League story where there's like those protocols in place. Yep. And Mexi's like, no, wait, this isn't fair. Batman's in his, his home turf. This isn't fair. And then they just appear in the Fortress of Solitude. And Batman within the second pal just goes, Fortress, authorized anti-Boy Scout. And he's like, wait, you've not put anti-Superman tech in my own yeah. place. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> like lightning strikes well, him. That's like you see Mixie's hand turning the page. Yes. On that. Which is yeah. which is all nice. That is, yeah. um, the, the, I, I laughed out loud when Batman said, "Okay, Fortress, Anti Boy Scout," <laughs> and, and then Superman be like, "Oh, two can play that game. I stole some of your tricks too." And <laughs> the statues of his parents come to life uh-huh. and smash Batman with a with the big folder. Uh mm-hmm. this is this entire entire story is basically making fun of internet nerds who go go down this fighting path of who would win with Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Yeah. And this this particular one that Mixie's telling ends with Superman flying Batman out of space and throwing him out of the sun, which just happens in the art to look like a giant Mixie uh, face. Uh, saying, as he's laughing, Superman wins. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and then, you know, the, 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 they keep fighting, and then the toys of Batman and Superman, which the kids were playing with, are like, wait, no one won. It's like, Superman's right. And it's like, well, we would never do this. Like, the, you have any, you're, you're, this is so convoluted to make us fight. We would never, ever do this. Um... And yeah, the, the, it ends with them kind of realizing, like, hey, but look on the bright side, they care about us so much that they want us to be a part of their stories, and that's why they would never ruin our universe because they're fans and they want us to exist, and they would do anything to be a part of our world. And then it ends with the uh, toy versions of Mixie and Batmite be, being showed by the uh, by, by Crypto, crypto and Crypto and Ice. I, uh, I love yeah. the beat of the the toy Superman and Batman going, "Oh, we never fight." You know, look at what we had to go through. And then it's like, it was really, it was the two of you who were fighting all along. It's like, <laughs> yes, yes, it's the fanboys. We know. Yep. We're, we're, we're aware. Don't worry. Yeah, and that's why I don't like to rejudicate tons of, of arguments online, because it's like, ultimately, unless it's people you know and it's being done in good faith, it's all a waste of time, you know? Yeah. So, and so I, I do, I do like kind that. Of a little bit that, uh, you know, it, it is people that, you know, know each other and kind of having mm-hmm. that fun argument. It's like, it's like if us on here had this mm-hmm. sort of argument and kind of came up with stupid things. And I feel like it would go something like this, where someone would be like, oh, you, it, it just happens for reasons. Just go with it. Stop ruining it. Just just mm-hmm. let it happen. And that feels very true to friends bickering uh, over these stupid stories, as opposed to just the terrible side of, of the internet that does mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. So... That was a delightful annual. And, you know, Batman Superman's been a really fun book. We've, been, we've all been really enjoying it. And... I think this annual may even be its best issue. It's up there. Pretty good. So I I did like the the Roz uh, stuff with the yeah. little tiny Kandorians coming out of the Lazarus pit. Like and that, that was going to not. So yes. Oh, that story was good. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not yeah. faulting it. I, I'm I'm saying that this issue on its own is just a really good, fun story that's mm-hmm. delightfully meta and, and it's, there's so much to say. It felt like an annual. You know, the story stands on its own. 
you know it doesn't yeah. you don't need the other which, ones it's, uh, which i think another one that again you know this book has excelled after its opening tie-in art mm-hmm. of just having short little you know two to yeah, three that, four that, issue that, arts that's and was, this could have been another one of those yeah that's what i was going to say is i think this fits in with what the book feels like anyway so i think in the trades when this is like you know in between two of the small arcs it's, it's going to f- feel right at home it's not going to feel like Right. Oh, we switched to the annual because sometimes you're reading a train, you're like, "Oh, this is the annual shoved in the middle of this this series of books." Yeah, uh, like you could probably very easily split this into two issues, uh, you know, and just be like, "This is the next two issue arc of this book," and none of us would question it at all. Yeah, I think it works better as one issue though. I think it's funny. Oh, I do as well. Uh, I think it's funny, but I think you know, I don't think it would take too much effort to have made this into two issues. No, because you would just end it with the, the end of the first story that, that Batmite tells and say, okay, next time, Mixie's story. You know, that, that's exactly. that's all you would do. It's, it's, it would yeah. be a very uh, easy split. So, no, he's pretty, what are you giving it, Matt? Uh, I'm going to give this an 8. Connor? Yeah, 8 from me. I'm going to go 8.5, you know. Brought a smile to my... I'm sorry, Freestyle Imp Battle is the funniest thing I've read this week, okay? <laughs> Freestyle and Batman. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's uh, that's the Batman Superman annual, which will take us on, I believe, to the Patreon on uh, onslaught of, of of books here. Uh, so every month to patreon.com slash TV, some of our higher tiers can make myself or Connor read a book. So there's actually three this this week. Uh, that's kind of fallen into place. And whose fault is it that there's three? Uh, I don't know. You could have just not read one this week. It's fine. <laughs> um, so I, I've got two Connor's got one so I'll start and then we'll alternate uh, basically so uh, I'll start with uh, the first the, the, the new thing I'm reading uh, which a new patron is making me read and that is Animal Man uh, by Grant Morrison so this is Animal Man issue one which uh, you know I've never read before I, I'm familiar with obviously the Lemire run on Animal Man uh, and obviously pops up from time to time and other things so I was very much fascinated to to dive into this and, and this is Pretty early Morrison work. Mm. Um, and it does, it feels like it's a different era. Of course it is. I was talking earlier in one of the other books about the, the third-person narration uh, just for the villain and kind of the ominous vibe. Because the villain here, who I don't really know, uh, at least if I have seen this villain in anything else, it's, it's escaping my memory, uh, where there's all this ominous stuff of him walking into the city, uh, San Diego, where... The narration keeps talking about it being this jungle and how he's a beast and how everything's all this noise and confusion. And it really gives it a vibe, this vibe that he's kind of like, he's not like other people, he's not like other humans, and he's going to cause so much disruption once he starts to really... Is this is this Boanga Beast, this one? I don't think the name is on this issue. Uh, that, that might be a, uh, an upcoming one then. Um, I don't think they mentioned. Um, but of course, uh, the, the story guesses into Buddy and his family. Because uh, I actually wasn't sure how much of a family he'd have in this old old run. I wasn't sure if that was something that, you know, he maybe got the kids later or something like that. But now his wife and kids are here. And a lot of this is him basically saying, hey, I mean, it opens with him saving a cat out of a tree and landing on his feet, because cats. But it's basically him saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give this superhero thing a real try now. I, th- I think I want to do this properly. And, you know, the wife's kind of like... Buddy, you kind of get into this mood every once in a while, and it always ends up just kind of going away, and you end up just sort of lounging about. And I'm the one paying the bills. Maybe you should focus on something realistic for a change. And he's like, Ellen, no, I'm serious. I I, I want to do this. Maybe maybe I can join the Justice League International. 
Uh, and she's like, oh, well, so don't just let anyone in. It, like, maybe you could join like the outsiders or something first. It's like, no, I'm done with the, the crappy teams. I'm, I'm going out of the proper teams. And so, basically, he ends up talking to his friend who decides that he wants to be his agent and gets him a, a spot on a TV show uh, with a comedian. And it ends up being kind of an embarrassing thing because when they actually put it on TV, it's basically just them making fun of him, making fun of the skin tight suit, making fun of his powers, making him feel a bit foolish and all of that. But it is successful because he gets a call uh, from Star Labs who want him to investigate a break-in they've had, uh, which is how the issue ends. Because the issue ends with him going, the, 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 the guy at Star Labs is kind of like, you know, I don't really know who you are, but one of the assistants saw you on TV and Superman's busy, so we, we, we brought you in. Uh, and this is also built up because the the villain, who I mean, it does say the beast, so maybe it is that beast you're talking about, Connor. Mm. I don't know, but he uh, like he he kills a like a mugger. Someone tries to mug him in one of the alleyways, and he's kind of like hallucinating. He sees like a star on the wall, and he's talking about the star. And then later on, he goes to Star Labs. But is it this feels like an almost uh. Dare I say Terminator S scene? Like, obviously, it's a very different context. It's a very different thing that actually happens. But the way he's in an alleyway in the trench coat, it gave me like these weird, like Kyle Reese vibes. Like, I was almost expecting him to yell out, you know, you know, what's the date? What year? Like, you know, I was, I was getting that mood from it. Um, but he goes to Star Labs. Buddy's called in after the fact to look into it, and essentially it ends on. Imagine something from The Thing, from John Carpenter's The Thing, but it's all like monkeys or chimpanzees. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just this massive, like, uh, creatures. And it's like, this is the cliffhanger of, like, okay, what the hell is going on? Like, who is this guy and what has he done? Because at first, because the vibe I was getting from the villain, honestly, for the most part, for, at least from the, the some of the things that I've read from, from Spider-Man, is I was getting almost Craven the Hunter vibes. Like, the way he was talking about the, the city being a jungle and, like, comparing the, the various noises and things and saying it was, like, too much, like, distractions and the, ur- the urban jungle and all that. I was getting real Craven the Hunter vibes, but then this at the end is like, well, okay, this is completely different from anything Craven the Hunter's ever done. Um, so that's cool. But some of the other stuff, though, is that because Buddy wants to train to be a superhero, there's a whole montage in the middle where it's, like, day one, day two, day three, and each one he's, like, basically training with a different animal uh, with his wife there. So day one, he's uh, swimming and there's like a guy fishing and he comes out of the water. Basically, he's been swimming with a fish <laughs> to try and like, you know, practice that. And then day two, he's flying with like a, like with a bird, uh, but he ends up crash landing and then, then he's like running in the desert because as he points out, ants are quite fast. Uh, so he's actually taking the, the powers of an ant to run. Um, and then he's swinging from trees and, and, and whatever else. But, uh, you know, it was a fun little... It was a very, I think, important issue one thing to do. Because I, I think this really clearly says, okay, you don't know who Animal Man is, you don't know what his powers are. There's two things that explain what his powers are. Obviously, you've got the opening where he seems to have the agility of a cat, but you have this montage in the middle that shows him with different animals, and even has he- uh, Ellen say at one point, you seem to have the powers for about 30 minutes without like a, a recharge or boost from them. You seem to take them for about 30 minutes, and that's when they run out. And we see that a couple of times. But we see, you know, each of these days he's with a different animal. So it clearly shows you this, how his mm-hmm. powers work. And then just to top it all off, when he goes to Star Labs at the end of the issue, before he sees the, the cliffhanger page, and he's talking to the scientist, and the scientist is asking him questions about it, he asks him, oh, do you actually, do you physically transform into the animals? Kind of like Beast Boy, right? 
And he's like, no, 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 it's more convenient than that. I just, I take the, the skills of the animal and the powers of the animal. I don't actually take the physical form. So it clearly establishes over the course of the issue what his powers are, how they work, and even what some of the limitations are. As well as, of course, the important stuff from any, like, start of any story where it establishes his character with his, you know, his wife, with his kids. It gives you a sense of the two. I mean, I don't even mention the kids that much. They're, they're both there at breakfast. You get the attitude of both the kids. That the you know, daughter's a bit younger, a bit more innocent. The 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 brother's got the mullet, and he's a bit more. Uh, Heck yeah, that was gonna be my first question. Yeah, a bit more of an attitude. So it's a very spiky mullet in this one, though. I'll say. Uh, so it's from what you said, eighty-eight, right? Is yeah, it's late eighties. This book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's back, it's back in that same around the same time as the Doom Patrol. I would say. Yeah. Same era. Yeah. Uh. So it's a it's a much more straightforward Grant Morrison book. It feels much more like a traditional comic book, um, which I think is good because I I'm hit and miss with Grant yeah. Morrison when he gets weird. So yeah, it it gets weird at points in the run. It's um because this is still like I say fairly early days Morrison. It's him mm-hmm. testing his limits at points. Uh, but a lot of the run is still fairly grounded as well. Uh, like this, um, a lot of you know animal activism uh, in the run animal yeah. rights stuff actually uh, yeah w- w- one of the key little character beats he mentions is he used to go hunting uh was it with his friend or his dad i can't remember what he said but he basically said that once he got the powers he had to stop doing that because every time he he, he killed something he could feel it he could like sense the, the 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 death of the animal yeah i think there's a point in this but i don't know if it's already just in the first issue but it talks about him being like vegetarian i think because mm. he couldn't he couldn't hack it anymore essentially i mean it makes sense it, it totally makes sense yeah. uh but yeah if I, if anything, the kids get a ginger mullet, which is terrifying, and oh, yeah. it's so many ways. I I think Carl should grow his hair out and shape it into a mullet. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I think Paige would like it. I would have to be paid pretty substantial amounts for that to happen. <laughs> Guys, you know what you have to do now. <laughs> Carl can set up a GoFundMe for for, for his mullet. <laughs> Um, or as Paige and call it a no fund me <laughs> well that's why it's a go fund me because it, it will lead to a breakup and he'll have to like you know it's all of a sudden yeah. he'll have to pay all the rent and all that himself so that's why it's such a yeah. hefty go fund me mm. um, see the all tracks out uh, she mentioned uh, Ch- Ch- what's this Chaz Truog the artist am I saying that right they are they are pretty solid there's the odd kind of slightly off facial expression but i do enjoy the uh like i say there's a lot of speaker here it's kind of that era but i i do enjoy the the various implementations i, I think body language is a big thing here because you got animal man actually shifting like how he's doing things because of the animals but even some, so, even something as simple as his daughter coming out of the kitchen i think the the walking animation for lack of a better term is actually kind of on point. Everyone feels like they're moving in real time, or even the, the villain crouched in the alleyway. Uh, everything feels like it's got a good sense of uh, motion. Motion. To it. Yeah. So, oh, very good. Uh, yeah, very, very muted color palette, though, uh, which which isn't necessarily good or bad. It's just kind of the, the scheme that it's going for. Uh, again, it feels very of the era. But, yeah. Um, also, notably, I didn't even know this, but this is actually where he seems to first get his jacket. Uh, that he had for a long time, because uh, mm. basically the guy on TV makes fun of him for having the skin tight suit. So when he he goes, when he gets the call from Star Labs, he, he shows up in costume and he's wearing this jacket. And Ellen's like, "Wait, what's with the jacket?" And he's like, "Well, you know, I, I feel kind of self conscious now about the skin tight suit. So <laughs> plus it's good pockets for money and stuff, so it's convenient." And 
I'm like, you know what? That is the best. It's like, <laughs> yes, you got pockets now. I mean, imagine. No one will argue with that. Imagine. I mean, it's even worse now because because these days you have to have a phone on you, right? Like, what do you? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why they've all got pouches. Yeah. Well, that's why the bat the... characters have got pouches for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And cable. Cable has a lot of phones. Where's yeah. Where's Superman putting his putting his phone? He doesn't need it. Lois can just say something yeah, and right. hear it. Yeah, same with the signal watch. All right. Okay. It's fine. I'm just saying, if we ever see like a phone shaped sort of like bulge in his trunks, that's why, because he has yeah. to put it somewhere. The, the, the real question is, what does Barry do? Or does he run faster than sounds? Uh, ba- Barry has one miniaturized inside his ring. Yeah. <laughs> True. That's an idea. That's an idea. Uh, so, no, I, I enjoyed the first issue. I, I think it did a, a pretty good job of all this. Um, actually, there's one scene here that I should uh, mention that's kind of on its own for now. I, I almost forgot about it because it is so disconnected, but there's a scene where there's like a group of like four guys who are going on a hunting trip together, and one of them shoots down a bird. Uh, well, they're not even at the hunting grounds yet, they just shoot, shoot down a bird on the way, and they're just kind of, it's one page, just kind of setting us up, you know, they're, they're throwing the, the beer can out of the, out of the cars they're driving off, so they, you get the sense that they're all kind of, well, assholes, basically. Uh, <laughs> um, and they're, they're, they're just killing things willy-nilly, so I assume this is going to be very relevant uh, in the issues forthcoming, but here it's just like a, one little bit of setup. Uh, going forward so no cool uh no i, I enjoyed it a lot uh, i'm looking for you know what i'm feeling very uh fortunate that the patrons want to give me good things to read because they want to hear my thoughts on good books uh it is a good book yes so i am i am delighted to be have a reason to to read this uh, for everyone so um yeah so i say uh, just to emphasize the ending is this this thing-esque like chimpanzee Algamation that's all yellow and kind of disgusting. So, now, I got a Salman issue one. So, Connor is doing what Undiscovered Country issue eight is his Patreon book this week? Yeah, because at least one of our patrons is kind to me too. Uh, <laughs> one I can't say too much about the others, but one of them, yeah, um, he, yeah, he knows I'm a, a Snyder fan and uh, and a Soul fan at that because obviously this is both of those with uh, Giuseppe Camancoli and uh, Leonardo Grassi on on our. Um, Cam and Coley I've been a fan of for a while uh, as well. Uh, Grassy is actually new to me here. Oh, well, last issue. He, he jumped on on this second arc. Uh, but this is the second issue of this arc. We're in the second zone now, Unity. We ended last issue with, uh, you know, Sam Elgin just showing up again after being dead in the previous zone. And there's a lot of exposition and talk here about what he is um you know they're like hey the destiny man just blew your head off we saw that and he's like yeah but the american dream can't die and i'm the spirit of america it's symbols so there are many sams and they're like dude your blood is on my shirt from your head you know what what is going on and um and he starts quoting uh, jefferson at them uh with uh, you know the tree of liberty must be f- refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots He's like, just think of it that way. And one of them quite rightly points out that he missed out the ending, which is the blood of patriots and tyrants. Uh, you know, the, the intentional omission of that definitely is alluding to maybe Elgin is not a good character, as, as it may have seemed before. But uh, he starts explaining that, okay, things are a bit different here in Unity for Destiny. There, there are 13 zones, much like there are there were 13 original colonies uh, oh, playing into American history still. Um, 
each one it turns out runs at a different speed in time so uh, destiny which was zone one ran at roughly five times uh time that was outside of america uh unity is running about three times the speed um so about a hundred years have passed inside zone uni uh and which is important because they you know elgin basically you know, controls the silk-like defenses and just says oh you guys are safe now i've just i've just told it that that you guys are off limits and then constructs kind of green lantern-esque kind of it just constructs a car to take them uh, it's a car it's gonna be like jeep style thing and takes them to a city a, a shining city uh, of unity and it's uh quite the place uh you know lots of like big tall skyscrapers you know like space needle-esque things going on because you know, this is the the pacific northwest as well my out is kind mm. of where this in geographically in the country would have been uh you know so we got a lot of forest and then this city here and it's um it's a bit very different a bit bizarre and they're like okay well we'll take you to the architects and uh seemingly takes them to you know uh you know the the, the main people there, their house. And uh, their parents are seemingly still alive. The graves, they're, they're just there. And it's, a, it's obviously things don't seem right here. You know, they look like they haven't aged a day. And the two of them are like, no, this, this can't be right. This isn't them. And then the, the, om the ominous final dialogue over it is, you have nothing to worry about in Unity. Everything is perfect. And then it cuts back to the... Uh, the train line that they came in on and uh, the destiny man comes through and he's like no this land this land is my land is is the final thing he says and it's very creepy um you know the the idea here of the the zones invading each other now because he was kind of the personification of destiny um elgin seems to be the personification of the american spirit you know america as a whole but uh, you know the unity of it, but unity here has its own personification as well, um, and it's uh, it's really interesting. Maybe we're going to have a bit of a, a war between zones coming up. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, or is Destiny Man just hunting our crew in particular? Their, their current plan is if they walk through all the zones, maybe they'll find one that runs at the same speed as the outside world, and from there they'll be able to leave and not have lost. You know potentially decades depending on how you know how long they're in here and how speed runs um but it's another fascinating issue of building up this mythology uh, i will say uh there is a lack of some momentum in the story uh i'm feeling in these last two issues it was it was okay in the last one because it was the first issue of the arc you got to set up the new place this one here it feels like it advanced very little in the plot progression or even much for the characters it was a lot of mythology, and I'm enjoying the mythology, uh, which is you know worth noting. But your mileage may vary on that. If you're you know here for the, the plot and the character drama, uh, the, this issue might not be entirely to your taste, especially coming off the back of the last one, and especially as the the big bombastic action at the end of the first arc. This feels like it's totally slowed down. It's really just settling into establishing some of the rules of the world, and again really hammering home the uh, the American history and you know the, the thematic ties that that's doing you know, with, the, with the book as a whole. Uh, but I enjoyed it um, for that. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5, uh, but again, I, I can see why maybe some people might like it less than that.
Cool. I like that rating, man, actually. I heard you rate yours. <laughs> I, I, I've been rating all of mine, and I thought you had as well, to be honest. I think I usually do. I, I just didn't this time. I just slipped my mind. Right now? I give Animal Man issue one a solid 8 out of 10. Um, okay, so uh, to move on to my other Patreon book, finally catching up, because I've, I've actually been a month behind in American Vampire for like three months. I keep trying to catch up, I kept not been able to because of busy weeks. Uh, but finally, I'm caught up, and this is actually the the you know the issue for the month that I'm doing in the month. So this is issue eleven. It's so handy that this and the last issue were a two parter, so it actually worked out really well that I did them very close together uh, when catching up. So if you remember, Hattie is out in the loose and looking for Pearl. Uh, meanwhile, Pearl and Henry have just discovered vampires from the the music producer dude. And a big vampire fight breaks out. Uh, there's some wonderful art here where it does this great thing. There's a two-page layout where it's mostly two separate pages in terms of boxes, but there's one sort of big element in the middle where Pearl's got like this, uh, I was going to say the throat, but it's actually the, the cheeks. She's sort of like putting her hand in another vampire's mouth and sort of squeezing the cheeks like with her claws. Um, but the way it's sort of angled up, it actually, it's really smart that her arm kind of directs your eye to where the next boxes start, even though it's there's nothing weird about the layout. Like you know, you you're on the first page and you're going you know left, uh, you know left to right and then down down the page, and then you would just go up to the next page and go down that page as normal. It's it's the normal layout for two pages of comics that are back to back, but it just it's just this little extra thing where her arm being stretched out and holding this guy's head that's going up into the panel at the top of the next page, just makes it flow really well in a way that is just so natural without even trying um but she's tearing all these vampires apart and she's kind of her narration's kind of worried that you know it's seeing because this is the first time she's unleashed like this and let her vampire side fly in a long long time and is this going to like turn henry away is henry going to see this and be like you know i married a monster <laughs> i'm kind of i should probably bail out now before things get too bad uh he's actually already left though he's chasing down uh the, the music producer guy uh, on the road Meanwhile, we get a, a fun couple of sequences with Hattie as she's still sort of all disheveled and co- from coming out of being captive. She wanders into like a small clothing store and kills the, the makeup saleswoman who is there along with the, the owner of the store and is just sort of getting herself done up, hiding her scars and all the rest of it. it it's classic kind of like horror villain getting themselves ready, talking about coming to see the main character. Oh, I'm coming to see you, Pearl girl. You know, it's been too long, I'm coming. Uh, but the action with the others is super exciting. Uh, it ends up in a car wreck, a big explosion from the car chase with Henry, and the, the, the guy who was, like, basically selling blood off to the vampires. She's terrified. Pearl like, sees the explosion when she's, like, in pursuit from you know, quite far back, and is terrified, thinking that Henry might be dead. Uh, but is obviously most relieved when he's not. She gets there just in time because the guy is going to shoot him in the head with a Tommy gun. And uh, it's kind of that, like, almost comical moment where she just sort of swipes him from behind and his head comes sliding off. And she says, hi, honey, in a really kind of fun, cheery way. But the stuff with Hattie, I think, is even more fun in this issue because she's kind of like, she's going up and down the uh, the streets of... of uh, this town where she expects Pearl to be, and she's in the right town. And the reason is basically that, you know, Pearl always wanted to move here. She always thought this was a nice, quiet neighborhood that she was always going to want to move to when she was done with the, the busy life of, of Hollywood 
and whatever. And she's got up and down the the, the the houses as a as a makeup saleswoman. She's got the the, the person she killed, like all her stuff. So she's kind of pretending to be her, and just to like so she can knock on the doors and see who's where, and hopefully find out where she is. And we see her. There's several implications of her killing various people in their own houses. So it's super dark, but in that bubbly kind of way that she has. And the big twist of the issue is that she gets to Pearl's house and she sees the gramophone in the in the window, the one that she used to listen to the records with, with Pearl with, and she chaps on the door and this old couple answer. And the little sort of twist here is that the Hattie stuff is actually set further ahead in time, and Pearl and Henry have actually already moved away, who, by the way, have a heartfelt kind of conversation where basically, like, they both have these fears, they admit that they both have these nightmares of, of him becoming a vampire and she says she doesn't want to do it to him, and he says, look, right now I'm happy with the way things are, and I do think about it, and one day I may have to make that choice, and it'll be my choice to make, but until then, I'm happy with my life. And, you know, this is kind of a sweet ending. And given that I think getting into this issue, they're, they're heavily teasing that, that Hat is coming for him, so you've got this tension building throughout the issue, and it's kind of this thing. But she's, she's ready to, like, pounce when the door's been opened, but it's this old couple, and it turns out that they've already moved away somewhere to the coast, and it just ends with this, like, you know, Hattie's going to keep looking for her. Uh, she walks away with the gramophone as if maybe she killed the old couple. Again, just implying stuff. I, I think what makes this issue work, I like it even more than the last issue, I think because the... <sighs> the vibe that Hattie's given off in this issue to a point is kind of, uh, if I compare it for a second, dare I, to the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There it is. <laughs> in which... In which... If you remember, there's a two-part episode in season two where a bunch of assassins are called in to, yes, to try and kill Buffy. And one of them's this salesman. And the way she's going from door to door just kind of give me like visions of that. I got, I got vibes of that character and the kind of the cheeriness. Especially the, the way she's very upbeat kind of would fit into that, that world very easily, I think. And I kind of like that tone from all of her stuff where... She's she's killing people left and right, but she's still this kind of like maybe bubbly's not the right word, but very kind of young, happy-go-lucky woman who is being cheery about everything, but she's doing all this horrible stuff, and she's all about vengeance. Like she, you know, she, she's she's you know she's she's hunting someone, she's hunting an old friend for leaving her for dead, and yeah, so she's still out there, and it's still leaving this this plot thread dangling. But and I'm kind of glad actually because there was a point like two thirds to this issue I thought wait. And they're really going to have this confrontation and wrap it up by the end of this issue. And I know I've read this before a long time ago, but I, I didn't remember. <laughs> so I'm like, surely they don't wrap this up this quickly. And sure enough, they don't. It's just like, no, okay, this is a tease for later. This is a nice little two-part story of, of just catching up with, with Pearl and Henry and what their life is like. Because they were mostly absent from the second arc. You know, we had the, the one little bit with them uh, when the, the agents went to see them. But otherwise, they were mostly absent. So this was kind of catching up with their characters from the first arc. It was a nice little... Nice little uh, catch up with them and setting up that Hattie is still this villain that's that's looming, and but gives her a sense of personality that's different from just you know this grisly monster that some of the other villains have been, um, you know like Hattie's this delightful character you know at, at face value, where and Skinner's different as well because Skinner's more this kind of I mean from compared to Buffy characters he's he's kind of more Spike than anything else not exactly like I wouldn't say Skinner Spike is that. It's kind of sweet as that spike, but if I'm comparing it to a character in that, I mean, it's the closest I can think of with his attitudes. 
obviously that's solar spike from yeah. earlier in the show not later spike but uh but no it's an enjoyable issue uh, i think this is a uh, probably another eight i mean it's boring to just hand out eights for these things that are just kind of really solid really good at what they're doing um but there's i think i think the story on its own would probably just like net it a seven but i think the r is so good in the pacing of the moments like all those little beats i was talking about where she sees the gramophone in the window or the flow of the, the two-page layout or just all those things that just make it such a a joy to to read it's, it's kind of you know obviously i mean we always make the comparison that the art in a comic book is a lot like the cinematography of a movie and i feel like this is the sort of thing where a lot of horror stories are largely elevated because of how they're shot because that's really what builds the the feeling of them and i think the art here is what does that for american vampire so it kind of elevates it uh, beyond just what the story is even though the story's good but the art's the, the extra icing on that cake so yeah 10 for me there you go as the as the patreon books all right uh so that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week uh poor matt's been sitting there listening to patreon books yep. back to back they all, they all bundled up in one week. I'm sorry. What can I say? Hey, I, I spread mine over three different weeks of the month. Hey, in my defense, the, 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 the Animal Man was addition like halfway through the month. I didn't know about that until quite recently. I hear excuses. <laughs> it's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Less excuses, more panel picking. It's a fact. So, yes, we pick our favorite panel slash moment of the week. We pick our uh, you know, favorite art, favorite, favorite cover, and top five books. That's the thing. Car threw me off there. I wasn't ready for my spiel. So, Matt, we'll start with you with panel slash moment. Um, I really want to do the Queen Ivy one, but that would make me a, a self-parody. Never stopped you so, before. True. But I'm going to go from Legion, and it's that Tula Lote, a great darkness saga, because it really is a beautiful image. Sure, sure. Connor? Uh, I'm going to go from Multiverse's End. I'm going to go with uh, Guy Gardner going, uh, eat dust, you Nazi piece of shit. Yeah, buddy. I mean, it's a sentiment we can all get behind. Uh, I'm spoiled for choice, I think, a little bit. Like Part, part of me is like, freestyle in battle is a moment that uh, will stick with me. Part of me, and my, my, my real choice is probably going to be Owl Man, sort of like, maniacally saying that he is the one true anti-batman and that he will always be here like that that moment was just such a good inspired sort of character beat that it's hard to take anything away from that but then there's also steph and cash jumping out of the the clock tower where their battle was on so uh, you know spoil for choice is what i'm saying yeah uh i'll go with the old man but just let it be known that there was there was options to be had uh best cover of the week i'll we'll go back around the way i suppose um I will say, I, I'm not as big, typically, on the... I mean, I, I always like them, but I don't tend to, like, rate them quite as highly, and that's the Middleton Wonder Woman covers, but I do think this one is particularly lovely. So I wanted to mention that. However, I am going to be a parody and say it is the variant to Joker Warzone, which is Stephen Cass, because it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm, yeah. uh, so, that's my pick. Yeah, Connor? that's alright. Um, honestly, the Middleton Wonder Woman is... You know, just head and shoulders above absolutely everything else uh, for me this week. Uh, the only other one that I would give a shout out to is the uh, the multiverse end variant, the uh, Captain Carrot doing the you know the big no pose. Uh, like, give, give me a chuckle. Yeah. Else, but... Yeah. Actually, at a glance, I thought he was doing the uh, Shawshank pose, but I mean, it's not <laughs> quite that. But... Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Yeah. yeah. Let's see where you come from. Uh, all right, Matt. 
Yep, my uh, the Middleton Wonder Woman. Like as soon as I saw that, it's, it's just it's, nothing you know. else comes yeah. close this week. Um, clearly I disagree, but that's okay. Uh, so then best art of the week, and we've got a lot of books here with different artists and different stories, so it's kind of a weird one. But uh, what you got, Connor? There's only one true answer. On you go, Connor. What is it? Oh, it's uh, it's Fabok for three jokers. Uh, every, uh, you know, uh, for every problem I have with that book, Fabok, not one of them. Uh, Matt. Yeah, it's Fabok three jokers. I kind of forgot about it to be honest, which is why I didn't think it was an obvious choice this week. Uh, but now you've reminded me of it. I'm I'm tr- I'm really trying really hard to find a reason to argue, and I can't think of one. So yeah, it's Fabic for th- three jokers. Um, all right, top five books of the week, Matt. Go. So one multiverse's end. Two is one Roman. Three is Batman Joker Warzone. Four is Batman Three Jokers, and five is the Batman Superman Annual. Some surprising ordering there, actually, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised uh, that, you know, the Batman Superman was below, like, three Jokers, for example. Yeah, I was surprised I, I can't help that I gave him both, both 7.5s. I'm not oh. disputing that. I'm just I'm yeah. surprised based off of how you spoke about them both. I, don't know. I mean, try, try to gauge match rating systems of fool's errand at this point. It, it really uh, is. It is. So, Connor, what's your top five? Make it up as I go, like Indiana Jones. <laughs> Uh, Multiverse End is, is obviously... And Scott Liddell. No, how dare you, sir. <laughs> Sorry, Connor, I can tell you. Thank you. A couple of you just interrupted my list with that shite of all things. Wasn't me. No, no, it wasn't you. Mm. Uh, no, so Multiverse End, number one, uh, uh, by a reasonable margin. Uh, then the Batman Superman annual. Then... Then the Justice League annual, then Joker Warzone, and then uh, Wonder Woman, their last. Okay, uh, I'm also going to go with Multiverse's End at number one. I'm probably going to go with Batman Superman annual at number two, and then Joker Warzone at number three, Wonder Woman at number four, and what have I got left? <laughs> uh, you got three League. Jokers and the <laughs> Justice Jokers. League annual. Mm-hmm. Probably just the Daniel. Uh, the Three Jokers is just a little too. There's just too much murkiness there, and uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean it's an interesting fight to be sure. Uh, so sometimes the fights aren't one to one. You kind of you you're trying to compare, you know, the the number five to the letter H, and how do you compare five. those two? <laughs> Why? Why not? Good number. H is yeah, it's it's H is shit on its own. What can what can what can H do on its own? Five can do lots of things on its own. H can be well. Yeah, but when you put three H's together, you bury everybody. Matt with the wrestling joke that Connor will not get in any way, shape, or form. I'm I'm glad Pete told me that was a wrestling thing because I was like, like, what am I missing? I could have let that just sit in there for 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 a while. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's picks. Um. So yeah, I'll tell you what's coming next week then, as uh, as I always I always do at this point. Uh, the first proper week of books in October. Um, yeah, not much. Yeah, it's a quiet week, so expect probably a Patreon book or two next week, I suppose. Just uh, that said, though, that said, we do have a big issue because Batman issue one hundred is oversized, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and that is the big finale of Joker War. 
We also have Justice League 54. We have Deceased Dead Planet number 4. Uh, we have Batman The Adventure Continues, issue 5. The Dreaming Waking Hours, issue 3. Legend of the Swamp Thing, Halloween Spectacular. Uh, so this is one of these uh, sort of holiday-themed anthology books, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to read that, because I'm actually kind of into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus it's a, a quiet week, so maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. a quiet week. Um, there's always a negative tone when Connor talks about these, though. It's like, I guess I might, because it's a quiet week. Oh, I mean, if this was, if that had come out on, like, this week, for example... Oh, of course. No, I mean, I probably wouldn't either, but, like, you have to really put in that negative tinge to it, though. You're like, oh, I guess it's quite weak. Yeah. Alright. Also, American Vampire 1976, issue one is out. Um, I will not be reading that, just because I might as well just keep continuing with the Patreon slot and get to it someday. <laughs> um, there'll probably be delays at some point anyway. Probably, yeah. So I, I get to avoid all that chaos if that's the case. So not a big number of books, but there is I think Batman 100 and this, the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular are both uh, oversized. So uh, that said though, it's still quiet overall, even with those being a bit bigger. So uh, expect Patreon books and maybe even asking for some questions. Uh, so look out for that on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast and also send longer questions to mftvquestions at gmail.com uh, if you want to send some there. I know there's a couple sitting in there actually waiting to be used but uh, uh, do check out that. Um, so yeah, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers at the time of recording. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palaces, David Short, Bored Now, Al Tribesman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams and David Brown. They are all our Patreon producers for the month. Uh, that means they are $20 or more on patreon.com slash TV. Some of them, of course, are the ones who are making us read books. I mean, Connor specifically. So you can, of course, go to Patreon. You can support us for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. The $5 tier in particular gives you a day's early access to the show. Uh, so go and have a look and see if you're interested in that and help and support the, the show and all the content and keeping it all coming. Uh, you can also support us for free in simple little ways, such as sharing us on social media, uh, hitting the like button on YouTube is a big one uh, helps us with the YouTube algorithm uh, giving us a rating and review on iTunes where we get your podcast from also a good way of doing it um, also every time I say uh, where we get your podcast from I almost always say podcasts as if I'm going uh, like bo- Pad Thai well I was going to say like I'm from uh, Boston or something like that like I'm going I'm going with the Boston Pad- pronunciation yeah. a podcast get your podcast podcast fucking <laughs> uh, Duncan <laughs> I tell you, I don't watch SNL that much anymore. But that bit with Casey Affleck, and he might be a terrible person, but man, that Duncan spot kills me every time because it's true. Not that uh, I know many from does Duncan, but it's what I assume it's like. I have no idea, but yeah, just, just SNL Duncan Donuts. Thank me later. Sure. So this is the episode two two one of comments from the multiverse, um, and I'll apologize to Matt in advance because the next month or so is like the build up to the new consoles coming out. So I feel like there's the gaming talks maybe going to sneak in a little bit over time. Uh, that's okay. You guys have a lot to fill. I'm not here next week, remember? So uh... oh, I forgot about that. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not so... remember. I did not remember yeah. that at all. No. All right. I so was going to tell you when we close, but now he's threatening console oh, stuff, not... so I have to. Don't, why, why do you wait until we're done? Tell the audience. The audience should be told as well. <laughs> well, sometimes I like to, you know... That, you know what this is? Go, that, here. This is that moment in the office where, where Michael says, you know, I would never tell this to her face, but Pam is a delightful, wonderful, sweet girl yes. who's really smart and could accomplish anything. She puts her mind to it. And Oscar's like, 
why wouldn't you tell that to her face? Right? That yeah. that was that moment. It's like, don't let the audience know to expect that you'll be uh, missing an episode. Oh my god. <laughs> well, because I like to let you do heavy lifting when I'm not here. It's it's fun to me. Oh god. Jesus Christ. All right, so Matt's missing I mean, you do heavy lifting when I am here anyway, yeah. so... So, yeah. look forward to the, the, the hour of gaming talk before the comic book talk starts next week. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm joking, there won't be an hour. I mean, I don't think just, there'll just, be... Just 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's a lot of news, probably not, but if it's a late news week, I can see his uh, drifting. Uh, uh, there'll, be, it, there'll be no sports talk next week, so, you know, <laughs> it'll even out. <laughs> Uh, dear, I love how the intros become. This is the ten fifteen minutes of off topic before the yeah we actually the got most starts. of the sports stuff out of the way kind of before the oh, show this week. It was miserably boring. Everyone, here. you didn't miss anything. No, I had a lot of a lot of Golden Knights talk, a lot of a lot of transfer windows. Connor explaining just just the, the the differences in some of the sports. That, yeah, um, you know, just uh, the, the the cultural differences and some stuff. Yeah. It was excruciating. So. Uh, that has been episode two two one of Comments from the Multiverse. Thank you once again for joining us and for being here and supporting us over two hundred episodes of this silly thing. Um, so yeah, thank you once again. We'll see you next time. Keep reading DC comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Oh hell, Queen Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>